We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Nerdstalking. Tonight we hope to force a gross yet entertaining show out through our chest cavities as we talk about the Alien series of movies. I'm your Captain Bill, and the crew cocooned with me tonight is Warrant Officer Chad. Hello. I wanted to be Ripley. And Hyperdyne System 120A2 Synthetic, Ross. I guess that makes sense. (laughs) Sorry, I think you prefer the term uh, artificial person, so we'll use it that way. And I bleed like milk. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> let's cut Ross in half and see what he's made out of. Just tear him in half. I'm exactly. I'm okay with that. But uh, before we start talking about the alien movies, I wanted to uh, cover some uh, just general news about stuff that's going on. So um, I don't know. You guys have stuff you're looking forward to, or stuff well, Doctor Strange opens in a few short weeks, and the TV commercials are coming fast and furious. Right. There's a new trailer, isn't there? A uh, third one? I don't know if there's a third one. There might be. Yeah. There's I, been a few. I haven't watched yeah. it yet. You know what? The only thing that bugs me about Doctor Strange, and I think it looks fantastic. Yep. I think it's going to be... His goatee? Yet, no. His case? No. His American accent. Well, he's American from New York. He doesn't have to be. Oh, Make he him, does. No, he no, doesn't. he does. We don't have any British superheroes in the Marvel Universe. Captain Britain. Not No, I mean in the cinematic universe. Uh... That's true. We're not, you were talking Marvel Studios, not X Men crap. Uh, and uh, his his attempt at an American accent is too it's too forced in my mind. But I think it looks uh, is it really really nasally and a little bit like a really yeah, nasally a little bit New York. And I think if you've got Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, let him let yeah. him bring the full on Brit. Yeah, they probably it probably should. They're th- that character be interchangeable. You think just with I think British? So. I think his character, yes. Now Spider Man, no. Spider Man's from Queens. You need to be from. No, New York. I disagree. I think that uh, Doctor Strange needs to be a New Yorker. It's integral to his character. Huh. I do, because he has the New York mansion. And the you know the Greenwich yeah, Village mansion. But, that, but he can still be a Brit. It's all like that chicka boom, chicka boom <laughs> orgy. <laughs> He's got the bed that comes orgy. down. Yeah, it's like the rotating oh, heart shaped bed. Exactly, <laughs> that's him. He's like, hey baby, I live in pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> So he's Hugh Hefner. So you can't have an accent. <laughs> really? Hello, darling. I am a, perfect. I live in pajamas. Uh, maybe oh, perfect. perfect. Yeah. I no. think that would be hilarious. It'd maybe be like Benny Hill then. No. No, no. He needs be like to be Benny New York because that's the whole point. It kind of like it brings him down. It, he's too. If he's English, he's too elevated. But that's the point. It's it's he falls from grace and the British accent. It's like uh, it's like every you know evil guy is British, right? In every movie. So he starts out as an arrogant jerk and then he and he gets. Brought humbled, and then he switches to an American accent <laughs> for the rest of the movie. He's, he's or, or or he starts with an American accent, then he gets elevated and he becomes British. Ah, uh, see, that could work too. Much more Shakespearean. Why didn't we do this movie? Acting. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be yet another uh, complete departure for Marvel in terms of style, and it's also introducing. Um, magic into the Marvel Universe, which I think is going to play a bigger and bigger role in right. some of the other movies. I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. So you think it's going to be kind of another Guardian of the Galaxies, yeah. Ant-Man kind of deal? Yeah, different. Right. Really, really different. And uh, uh, quite exciting. Right. And Tilda Swinton. She's hot. Right. <laughs> that was Speechless. That was, what was the... She did a film with... Uh, 
she was the angel Gabriel. Okay. Mm. Um, oh, not, it was um, the Kevin Keanu Smith. Reeves movie. The devil. Oh, uh, Constantine. Oh, Constantine. Right. Yeah. She was the angel Gabriel in that one. And it was just sort of, that was the first time I ever saw her. She, right. She plays, she's constantly the androgynous. Yes. Right. Non-specific. She's kind of like the David Bowie, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. I think That's they were true. close because of that. They, yeah. Did, yeah. they did some fashion shows yeah. together. Well, yeah. I remember uh, Conan O'Brien saying that if if they ever did a movie based on his life, he'd want Tilda Swinton to play I think him. that makes sense. <laughs> Tilda Swinton in a red wig? Yeah. Perfect. And she uh, commented on it. She said, I would be honored. Yeah. Well, see, that's why, like, you and McGregor, I thought he did a fine David Bowie in Velvet, Velvet Goldmine. Yeah. Uh, even though originally it was supposed to be David Bowie and Iggy Pop in that film. And as it turned out, Bowie wouldn't release his songs because he had plans to do a, some sort of theatrical, some play. Hmm. And so he, he took back his songs and they were like, uh, what do we do now? So they wrote all new material and they made a Bowie-esque character and an Iggy-esque character. Couldn't they use the, uh, the Library of Wings? I mean, that's classic <laughs> 70s rock right there. Band on the run. Titanium Man. Who's mm. that knocking on the door? Oh, God. Who's that ringing uh, But, you know, it's been quite a week for uh, for uh, our stuff to on, on TV. We've got Westworld. We've got Luke Cage. Yeah, I watch? made those things. Right. Did you watch Westworld? Not yet. I'm looking forward to it. I don't think Chad has either. No, I missed Westworld. Yeah. I haven't seen Luke Cage yet. Oh, my God. Okay, so that ends that conversation. Well, I saw the first <laughs> episode. Have you, did you watch Luke Cage? I saw Luke Cage. I yeah. thought it was, the first episode was yeah. really great. You really got into the spirit of it. It's, the, uh, it's not set in Hell's Kitchen. It's set in Harlem, so... Which I think is perfect. Which is where it's supposed to set. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but I thought you know a lot of the Netflix shows were going to be in and around Hell's Kitchen. Is that that was sort of the glue? Yeah, it's a ten minute walk, like the Daredevil. Uh, but it's perfect. Uh, is I it boring like Jessica Jones? Oh shut up! Jessica Jones is awesome. Oh but, my god! Uh, it is. It is a bit of a slow burn the first episode, uh, but it ends on a wallop. And then uh, right. I'm looking forward to the rest. What I did watch cool. uh, the last week or so, uh, new Netflix show called The Get Down, and it's awesome it's uh late 70s the beginning of rap with grandmaster flash with sort of fictional characters but uh, this uh <laughs> get down get down come on you know the get down and <laughs> anyway <laughs> it's a great new netflix show there's only six episodes but it's just oh. a real shame to see them yeah. go yeah. Mm. and then uh the other thing i wanted to talk about is last week Bill and I went to see a special showing of uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture at uh, TIFF. Thanks we, for the invite. We did indeed. Uh, we did invite you. No, you didn't. No, we didn't invite <coughs> you because you're so down on Trek. Uh, hosted and introduced uh, with some behind-the-scenes photos and talk by Douglas Trumbull. Yeah, it was a pretty good talk at the beginning, about half an hour or so he talked. It was fantastic. And he had a slide with them, getting those great behind-the-scenes shots of them doing the effects. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Douglas Trumbull, and his uh, he was he saved Paramount and the movie by being brought in to oversee the effects. Yeah. He was responsible for filming all the Enterprise shots, which is why it has never looked as good as it did in that movie. Right. Um, Bill, tell us what you thought about the print. Oh, my God. I don't know where Paramount got that print that they uh, gave to TIFF to, to show that, but I think they probably it was probably holding a table level <laughs> somewhere in the commissary in, in Paramount because it was scratched like someone had just run it through cheesecloth. Yeah. Like it was unbelievable. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, you know Sunday afternoon watching kung fu <laughs> movies. <laughs> you know those terrible prints from Hong yeah. Kong yeah. that had scratches and pops and yeah, like on weird C- cuts. On CHCH, they're running yeah. through the telecine yeah. in there. It's but like, it's funny yeah. when I think of Star Trek, the original Star Trek, the movie, yeah, motion, motion picture. picture. Yeah. Uh, I think of it as scratchy and shitty looking. That's funny. 
No, like, it was well, you would have, this, you would have been you sure? home. Yeah, it was seventy millimeter gorgeousness well, when what's, it came out. What's funny is I've I saw afterwards uh, just clips from the remastered version they did and the director's pristine pristine absolutely gorgeous like in high def it looks amazing so you know uh after the movie was over uh jesse um ventura uh, no not the governor of minnesota (laughs) no uh the uh program director of tiff came oh yeah right and he was saying you know they asked paramount you know douglas trumbull the guy who saved your movie is going to introduce us in toronto we'd like a print and we'd like the uh director's edition and paramount said nah and here you go. And they gave a, they had the world's worst print. It, it really was, was embarrassing. scratchy. Like, and then the sound was strobing in and out, out. In and towards out. the end. Yeah. It was like, it was all muffled. And then it'll come in and it was unbelievable. So here's Paramount, you know, it's maybe strike Star Trek from it, but just Paramount has made a film. It's got a film in its library and that's what they send out for exhibition is that yeah. version of it. It's embarrassing. Now, Douglas Trimble, he's the guy that did the lecture before Blade Runner? He did yes, the he did. Same guy. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Was yeah. That was an interesting uh, yeah. lecture. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, he did. He said a lot. There, it has an interesting story, uh, TMP, because uh, um, Robert Abel and Associates were initially to do the effects and they worked a year and they didn't have a frame of usable footage at the end of a year. Nothing. So Paramount panicked, and they just threw money at Douglas Trumbull and said, can you do this in six months? A uh, schedule that was originally supposed to be like 12 months, can yeah. you do it in like eight? Did he they- mention that he used part of the Millennium Falcon anywhere in Star Trek? I don't think he did. No. Because no. that would be awesome, because he did that in Blade Runner. Right, one of the buildings yeah. coming in. And Close it? Encounters of the Third Kind, the mothership has a, That's true. a post yeah. office box in R2-D2. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, but no. Because that would be sign. so awesome. Yeah, no. But it was still fun watching the film. It was. It was a. It was a very enjoyable evening. I was all. Uh, they had a Q and A afterwards, and I was all set to uh, let my voice break and ask Mister <laughs> Trumbull a question. Gee, sir. Um, but uh, they cut it short. So now, was it less or more boring than Blade Runner? To me, it's less boring. Is that the right answer? Uh, because. You could you could watch that movie with your eyes closed, and the Jerry Goldsmith music would carry you through. Right. It's a, it's the best score of any of the Star Trek movies. It's a world class score. It is. Now speaking of Blade Runner, what about the uh, remake? Oh yeah, Bla- it just got its name right. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Really? Yeah. That wow. really makes me want to go see it. So I'm thinking there's going to be Ryan Gosling is playing the young Harrison Ford, and uh, I'm thinking there's going to be uh, a lot of five minute sequences. How can he play a young Harrison Ford when Harrison Ford is a replicant? I guess he's not. There it is. That's proved. Okay. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble, buddy. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, Harrison Ford can't play it because then he'd be old Harrison Ford. Well, and be like, well, how could he be so old if he's a replicant? Maybe there he's an go. earlier model. Hey, you know what? Nobody's mentioned whether Sean Young's in it. Yeah. Oh, isn't that weird? Crazy Sean Young. <laughs> crazy cray cray yeah. Sean Young. And yet she was, oh, she was gorgeous. What about Rutger Hauer? Is yeah. Well, he died. Same with Daryl Hannah. Rutger Hyde. Well, Rutger Hauer is dead. Ru- is that what no, you're telling no. me? His character, you idiot. Uh, no, but this uh, is a prequel. Roy Blatty. I don't think it is. Uh, is yeah. it? Yeah, this is before. I did not know that. So if Harrison Ford is a replicant, Ryan Gosling is the human that the replicant was based on. There we go. Uh, maybe that's a good point. But they ha- he, Ryan Gosling couldn't be better casting. I'm just going to say it now. He is the perfect casting for a movie where long five-minute sequences that end with a, you know... <laughs> At the end, right. it's going to be just great. Is it Ridley um, Scott directing it? Yeah. No, no. No. It's Dennis Villeneuve. The Quebec. The uh, racer? No. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the uh, filmmaker, uh, is doing it. I think Ridley Scott is producing it, but he's. Uh, oh, I know he was attached to it. Somehow. Yeah. 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 Somehow he convinced. I think uh, Harrison Ford's supposed to make a cameo. Right. Not sure how. No, Harrison Ford's definitely in it. More he than a, cam- a cameo, okay. I think. Because uh, Ryan Gosling this week released uh, video footage of him and Harrison Ford pitching um, a charitable... Oh, that's right, because I saw a spoiler uh, shot. Uh, they they just filmed with Ryan Gosling stabbing Harrison Ford through the chest with a lightsaber. Shit. Right. I know. And, and then, then, a do- know. then a door comes down on his leg. Yeah, that's it. And then there's a five-minute gap, and yep. then he says, you know... <laughs> <laughs> But Ryan Gosling was there in his Blue Jays cap in this little, uh, you know, on, on the set yes. uh, of Blade Runner. Yep. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. Well, it's good to know that Blue Represent. Jays are still around in 2049. That's, well, of course they are. <laughs> They're course. the only team left. The only team they to just, have won 400 World Series. They play against themselves. <laughs> Nobody else is as good. That's right. Because <laughs> they're at the, in 2020, what? 2024? 2029. 2049. 2049. In 2049, the Blue Jays have broken off of, of Major League Baseball. That's right. They've and they've formed league. their own league, yeah. and they're the only team. And they've also broken the sound barrier. <laughs> it's the only baseball team to have ever broken the sound and barrier. And they only have six players because they're all Canadians. Do you need more? <laughs> no, no. You don't need more. Not when you're playing against your Damn right. own people. Speaking of of DC, one of the things that I'm very excited about upcoming with uh, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, and Supergirl, which is now moved to Showcase, Showtime, Showcase. Showcase in Canada, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so changing networks. Does that mean it's going to get edgier? No. In fact, the first episode, I can't wait, it's on Monday night, can't wait to see it. Superman shows up. Yeah, yeah, I know. And not, He's not, a weird-looking Superman. No, and I'm fine with that. Is it, a but Nick, it's a, is it Nick Cage? No. In his electric uh, suit? Yeah, I would prefer, I think. <laughs> no, he, he'll be fine. But it's it's the Superman we all know and love, not the crazy, neck-breaking, uh, right. dour... But it's Henry Cavill? No, no, no. No, no, it's another no, guy. Because the, it's a whole separate world. Right. I think Supergirl, though, is joining... Yes, the Flash world. Well, which is they, one of the changes because they did a, they did Flashpoint in Flash, and I think what and we already know Flash and Green Lantern are in the same universe. Previously, they'd had a crossover with Supergirl, where it was clear that they were in different universes. Yeah. But I think now that they're all in the CW, uh, there's going to be a way, maybe because of Flashpoint, to bring them all together, which would be yeah, awesome. because nobody needs a real explanation. Just put no. them in the same world. Sure. We want to see them interact. Absolutely. But what's really exciting is that and they they haven't announced what episode it's going to be yet that I've heard anyway. Uh, but there's going to be a three-episode crossover musical event. Oh, Speaking of musicals. That's crazy. And so on Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow, I don't think Legends of Tomorrow is doing No, no, it's Legends of Tomorrow because Victor Garber is going to be part of that. So maybe it's Arrow that's out of the loop. Mm. There's no singing in Arrow. It's too serious. Oh, God. No. Well, but Victor Garber is like a Broadway guy. Oh, he was, sure, he yeah. was starting uh, Godspell. Yeah, right. He was the guy in the Superman t-shirt yeah. with the clown So makeup. he's one of the guys with uh, Eugene Levy and Martin... Who did that Godspell? Yeah, and um, like in the seventies, yeah, it was famous? like famous. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the star of Godspell. No, right. is it Godspell? Yeah, it's Godspell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. one where he dress has a clown makeup and a Superman T-shirt with suspenders. I have no idea what you're talking anyway, about right now. But which Robin Williams ripped off? It's a Mark. It's a it's a pretty it's a near unwatchable musical. It's a pretty bad yeah. one. Maybe it's, only belongs in its day. Yeah, yeah, exactly for sure. But you know, so he's like a song and dance man from the from Broadway. Yep, but. Supergirl and The Flash are both former uh, co-stars on um, on Disney on Glee. Oh, on Glee, that's right. They're both from Glee. That's right. right. Oh, that that'll be awesome. That's I think cool. I'm looking forward to Supergirl this year because I think it's going to be a little bit lighter and there's going to be more humor and bringing super. 
Yeah. How it, could Supergirl be any lighter? I had to stop watching it because it was uh, so light. There was one episode with a scary like alien that had like the face that exploded and he was crawling up walls that mm. freaked Max out. So Oh, I see. okay. Yeah. Now, I will say that the, the highlight of uh, Supergirl last season was Laura Vandervoort as the Brainiac-esque. Ah, uh, yes. That was pretty sensational. Yeah. I don't know what the episode was about, but she was in it. Yeah. So I think I'll point out at this point that um, we're back in uh, the palatial backyard of Casa del Gendron. We're sitting out under the stars. Hola. And we're at the fairy lights up the tree. Yeah. Chad has seen fit to string fairy lights. Yeah. I don't know if that's apropos of anything, but but uh, yeah. So in case uh, you hear planes going overhead or, or gunshots in the well, my neighbor's gardener, yard. My gardener put those up. Your gardener. You're yes. strangling your tree, you know. Oh, am I? <laughs> With those fairy lights. You sh- they will never grow. So what do you call it when you're humping my tree? Is that is that worse than strangling? That is um, exercising my it, rights. If it came to life like in The Lord of the Rings, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> Major trouble. So the topic of this podcast is uh, the Alien films. I think it's apropos heading into October. It will be aired around Halloween, so I think that's apropos. And uh, I'm going to start with the movie Alien, the one that kicked off the whole franchise. Although I guess that uh, Alien vs. Predator took place even before <laughs> Prometheus. So Timeline, timeline. Those are really the uh, first yeah. first films chronologically. But um, well, pr- No, wait a sec. Prometheus started started life on Earth, or at least humans on Earth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so that true. was before Aliens vs. Predator was set that's in modern-day yeah. Antarctica, right? Yes, that's true. Roughly. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. So then, it, so is it, it's Prometheus, then Alien, then Aliens. Yes. No, it's Prometheus, then Alien versus Predator. Yeah, that's true. And then yeah. Alien, because Alien's No, because Alien versus Predator. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Alien versus Predator is modern day. Right. Yeah. yeah. Both of them. So in we're gonna, space, no one can hear so you. So we're going to start with Alien. It was released in 1979, directed by Ridley Scott, uh, who was uh, f- age 41 when he shot that film, which is kind of interesting. It was only a second film. Uh, his background was in, uh, sorry to interrupt, but his background was in uh, commercial. That's right. He had done thousands of commercials yeah, before in England, he did yeah. uh, this first film, which was The Duelist. He was oh. also a yoga instructor. I did not know that. He did, yeah. He, uh, his downward dog, I heard, is quite... Uh, <laughs> That's how he got Quite the amazing. alien idea. Because if you notice, there's 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 several shots in the first two movies where the alien comes up off the ground. Well, that, that's him in then, the alien suit, and then he goes, Whoo! yeah, and that's just releasing, yeah. and he's just like you know he's all limber. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it is kind of interesting because um, they had a, a a six foot ten Nigerian art student in the suit in the alien yeah, suit, wow. and they he they. They, he did classes in pantomime and uh, and movement, so it might have been you know maybe Ridley Scott taught him a few motions because <laughs> they wanted to have him kind of an. They were worried. The main worry about when they did Alien was it was just going to be another movie with a guy in a rubber suit. They really had yeah. a lot of fears that way, so they had him move strangely, and they had this guy. He was it's very impro- you know improbable measurements. Like he's six foot ten. He's as thin as a rake. Yeah, so they when said you his see arms him his, were so skinny. Yeah, yeah. And he was long, the only one who fit. So yeah. skinny and long. He looks otherworldly. But what, but what helped, of course, is that you never see or you don't see the alien until right towards the end. That's true. So it's like the Jaws thing. Well, it's funny. They that's, tease you with it. That's how it was pitched. Alien was pitched as Jaws in space. Mm-hmm. That's how they pitched it. 
Um, double Jaws. <laughs> double Jaws. Say, you know, big. in Jaws, you only got one jaw. That's it. That's right. Yeah, in this one, you got you. two. And in telescopes. That's right. Yeah, so it's already... It's like a, it goes to 11. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. So Ridley Scott, he uh, really got a kick in the ass when Star Wars came out. He had done the Duelist. He was, he was working on another period piece. And when Star Wars came out in 77, he's like, why am I doing this shit when I could be doing that? And yet couldn't be as far removed from the yeah. aesthetic of Star Wars. Yeah. Completely different, which is it's why not, it's so not, fantastic. It's not necessarily true because Alien uh, picked up on the uh, the used future look, they call it, right? Yes. So it's like the Millennium Falcon where it's dirty and grimy and the Nostromo, which is the ship that the crew is flying uh, at the beginning of Alien. It's very like that. It's dirty and used. It, it, it's obviously a yeah, um, a like, hauler in, in space. Yeah, like Han Solo's uh, ship, the Millennium Falcon. He's a smuggler, right? And in Alien, they're hauling ore. Yeah, they haul. Uh, it's the Nostromo is the tow ship, and then they've got this huge the ore refinery, refinery yeah. behind them that they're towing, right? And it's from some outer planet, and they're bringing it back to Earth. And mm-hmm. I guess the refinery refines all the ore as they're tra- as they're traveling, and the the crew is mostly. Doing that uh, in hypersleep, you know uh, they didn't. They cut the scene, but apparently the byproduct of all that ore is uh, mint Oreo cookies. Oh, very good. That's how you. That's where it comes from. Yeah, well, I think that's coming out in the special edition. That's where it comes (laughs) from. He was also influenced by two thousand and one, and the guy that wrote the screenplay, his name is Dan O'Bannon. Chad and I were talking about him in the uh, in our reboots and remakes uh, episode because I was doing Total Recall. Oh, yeah. And uh, Dan O'Bannon and Ron Shuset, which is his, his co-writer, yep. they wrote um, Total Recall as well. And Dan O'Bannon, and I talked about him more in that other episode we did, but he's uh, he's kind of a character in Hollywood. He's a guy that, you know, won't compromise, and he, he you know, he, he's burned a lot of bridges in Hollywood. It's kind of funny to follow his career, but... Didn't he, uh, didn't he write a horror movie that had Melody Anderson in it? Yeah, well, we talked about that. Chad said it was his favorite film. It's yeah, it's a, a return, great film. Return of the Living Dead. No, 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 not, not, not that one. It was, a, it was a horror film with Melody Anderson, who played uh, Dale Arden in the Flash Gordon movie. It was set, set in a small town. might even had Tom Skerritt as the sheriff, I forget. Are you talking about Life Force? Nope. Vampire, space vampires. No, that was space vampires. Yeah. Uh, this was set in a small town in America. Um, so look up Melody. What's, and, what's his name? Uh, uh, Dan O'Bannon. I think, he, I think Dan O'Bannon wrote that. Because the tagline was like, written by the creator of Alien. Oh, I wonder what, what that would have been. Oh, it was great. Great film. But, uh, and then... Um, uh, so Dan O'Bannon actually showed Ridley Scott uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So he wanted to combine all those together, you know. Well, he brought that that he's um, one of the set designers from I think from um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There was a Alien. set designer in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, he was like <laughs> people who set lighting. And I thought that was a, I thought that was a documentary. <laughs> set in real. It was. Real it was Texas. Based, based on a true story. It was based on Ed Gein, right? Isn't that true? The guy, the same guy they did Psycho. About. I think so. Yeah. yeah. He did Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Total Recall. Ed O'Bannon did Return of the Living Dead, which is yeah. such yeah. a great yeah. movie. It's yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Dark Star. Yeah. Yeah, that was before. Total Recall. Life Force. Prometheus. Aliens. Those are based on characters, probably. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So I don't know quite what you're It was one about. of those, um, you know, 80s horror films. Huh. That uh, my friend a friend grew up with, Cam Schools, and I used to go see these. We drove all the way to Buffalo to see uh, Day of the Dead because they wouldn't show it in Canada. It was oh, Dead and Buried. Dead and oh, 
yeah. that's it, yep. right? And it was a right. great little horror film. Yeah. He did the screenplay for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and he also did uh, a segment on heavy heavy metal. Yeah. Well, that that's interesting you say that, Chad, because uh, when uh, Dan O'Bannon was kind of ha- toying with the idea, the, the first the first part of the story is like like you said, he did Dark Star with John Carpenter. That was John right. Carpenter's pr- first film. They're both out of the USC Film School. And they had done Dark Star. It's very similar to George Lucas, where they'd done a a project for the school, but then they uh, flushed it out into feature length, and they actually made made a movie based on the idea. And uh, in that, Dan O'Bannon, he co-wrote the script with John Carpenter. He did so much. He did set design and all this other stuff. But he also stars in it as Sergeant Pinback. (laughs) And Pinback spends a lot of the time in the movie, he's got an alien there's an alien loose on the ship and it's it was only uh dark star was only made the budget was only sixty thousand bucks and they're doing this kind of epic science fiction film i wouldn't and, call it epic and they well that's just, like half of our budget for this show and, i know in the scope it's kind of epic and so the alien that pinback is chasing in dark star it's a beach ball that they painted and then they glue little web feet is it named wilson onto the bottom of them i, I don't think i think oh. it's just called the alien so what um Dan O'Bannon wanted to do was want to take that concept instead of having it as a comedy because Dark Star was a, a science fiction comedy, and he wanted to do a serious uh, treatment of the idea of people in a spaceship and they're being picked off one by one by this alien, which is a perfect perfect right. setup. Now, can I trip you for a minute? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Because you talked about Dark Star. Yeah. Um, didn't Ron Cobb work on yes on uh, Dark Star as well? As yeah, well? he did. He designed the ship. The ship, yeah, it's a wedge, yeah, yeah, yeah. wedge shaped is better yeah. description. Well, yeah. it's 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 funny because one of the characters uh, is a surfer, and at the end he ends up the dark. You know, I want to I don't want to explain the whole film, but at the end of the sh- the ship blows up and he's on a piece of of the debris and he's surfing it down into this atmosphere. The Silver Surfer. It's <laughs> amazing. Wow, that's where the Silver Surfer comes. Yeah. So. Uh, um, so yeah, so Dan O'Bannon wanted to do uh, a serious portrayal of that, and uh, he started writing the script, but he was kind of stuck. And uh, his buddy Ron Shusett, I think they were roommates. He said, uh, "You've got an idea. What about that idea you were writing about? Uh, it's a B, uh, whatever bomber, Lancaster, not a Lancaster bomber. That was the Britain, but whatever B seventeen, B seventeen bomber, B twelve bomber." Yeah. These guys are uh, doing a sortie in uh, World War II, and there's gr- a gremlin on the plane. He ended up doing that segment for Heavy Metal, which is based on that story, oh, if you've ever seen it. I've, not. I've seen pretty, that movie a million times. It's pretty creepy uh, part of it, where the guys are doing just that, their bomber crew and this monster. It doesn't end with uh, somebody on the ship having to draw a wheel so they can land? No. Oh. No, that's amazing stories. Oh. <laughs> sounded sounded so. That's how they did that, and there was actually the script was initially called Star Beast. Not a good name. To pitch. No, Alien is a sexual movie without any sex scenes, because uh, mostly because of the uh, design work of H.R. Giger as a Swiss artist, and he designed the look of the alien. Apparently, it was way dirtier too. Originally, his drawings were yeah. so sexual. Well, oh, well, very overtly. Yeah. Well, not even like plain as day. Yeah, if you go to uh, nerdstalking.com, I've posted pictures of the two. There's two images that um, really drove the look of the alien. Because like I said, Ridley Scott, director, when he came on, Dan O'Bannon, the screenwriter, you know, 20th Century Fox, they didn't want to do a movie where you could tell it's a a guy in a rubber suit. So Dan O'Bannon had worked with H.R. Giger and Ron Cobb 
And I think uh, Chris Foss, in uh, kind of fleshing out the design for um, for uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Ah, the great failure. Yeah. Dune. Probably the most famous unmade science fiction film of all time. I would agree, yeah. And uh, all those guys were working on that, and when that fell apart in 75, they all moved on to Alien. So you could say if Jodorowsky's film hadn't fallen apart, there probably wouldn't be any Alien, because all those guys moved on to there. Chad's just adding accelerant to the fire here that we're sitting around. I made fire! And suddenly it's a... Why are you pouring that on me? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> suddenly it's a roaring <laughs> blaze. <laughs> it's a towering inferno. Exactly. Your pants suck, but now they're on fire. <laughs> but when they were thinking of thinking that, how how can we how can we have an alien that looks scary? They uh, Dan O'Bannon and Giger. He had worked with Giger, so he had a book of uh, Giger's called uh, Necronomic the Necronomicon. Necronomicon, and he showed those two That's pictures. Not, is that he? Did, it's not a book he wrote. Yeah, he yeah, he, he, he drew it, all his, his illustrations. Oh, okay, because there's also a book called The Necronomicon. Which right, is, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably similar yeah. titled for the same reasons. But uh, so Dan O'Bannon showed Ridley Scott these pictures, and Ridley Scott was like, that's it. That right there is the look of the alien. And, uh, you know, that's what drove. Which is one of the most iconic designs yeah. for. An, and and I, we might be skipping ahead a bit here, but the, the, the design of the alien, I mean, he is. Absolutely fear personified. You see that. There's no question in your mind. You're, He's you're, Darth Vader. You're, you're, you're exactly. You're, you're frozen in your tracks. There's yeah. nothing you can do. And then his mouth opens, and out comes another set of jaws. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that was just that completely freaked yeah. me out. That is so brilliant. It was supposed to be a tongue that just had teeth. That's why, like Giger designed the. He has elongated heads, and like you said, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at Necronom Four and Necronom Five, those are the two images that were used to to design the look of the alien. You know, he's got this really elongated head, and it's just obviously a penis head at the at the back of it. But uh, when Giger was designing the alien for the movie, he's like, "What is all the space being taken up for with this big long head?" And he thought, "Well, it's probably got this crazy tongue." That's no, what all but, the space even, is for. But even uh, alien pictures or even those skulls that they find, it's just more brain. Yeah. So just a long, skinny brain. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. You got to put those jaws in somewhere. Which, yeah. which brings me to another point about alien and, and the character of the, of the monster. Yeah. Because after watching, um, I was, you know, watching, watched the second movie the other day. There's a weird understanding of how sentient they are. Mm, okay. Because they are. They seem very sentient, but yet so animalistic that it's hard to relate to them. Right. How can they be so organized? Are they like bees? Right. Are they kind of just like, I can do one thing and that's all I can do? That's more taken, that's more covered in aliens. Yeah. yeah. Well, they start but, talking about the hive mentality and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but as you as you watch it, when the, with the first one, yep. it seems very intent on killing everybody in a sort of predatory way. Methodical. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very, very strategic. Yep. Um, while at the same time, pointlessly, because it seems that he just kills them. He doesn't really just no, eat them. but he you think he kills them all. But then remember, there's a scene with Captain Dallas strung up, and and he's going to be impregnated, right? He's going yeah. to, they're setting up for the next generation of more and more aliens. Yeah, that's cut. That's cut out of the final film. There's a scene they shot where no, he begs Ripley to to hit him with the yeah, fire. Yeah, it's not unless uh, maybe you saw like a director's cut or a. Comp- a special oh, edition. Shoot. Theatrically, it's that was cut. You don't see Dallas strung up at all. No, you don't. There's a 
there it was originally a shot and like you said they did shoot the scenes where she's coming back to get into the lifeboat and she hears a noise and she goes into the room and she sees Dallas strung up in the webbing and then Dallas kind of gestures to the floor and Brett who's played by Harry Dean Stanton mm. he's actually being turned into a pod yeah so you sort of see like again like i say it's a it's a sexual movie without any sex it's very much dealt with the life cycle of the alien. And even really? back in Alien, they had shot that scene where you see the life cycle. They're trying to perpetuate themselves, mm-hmm. right? That's why they're doing what they're doing. It's not just a killing. But I guess because they don't they don't really deal with the eating element, right? No. Like the aliens don't eat the humans. Mm. They use them to incubate or to, uh, what do you call it when you have? Sometimes they do eat and sometimes they just save them. That seems kind of random. Well, no, I think Chad's yeah. point, it's, they do kill but there's no indication that they're actually feeding on those dead mm. humans. Yeah, and That's so interesting. All yeah. the way through the second one, I kept thinking, okay, well, from a sentient point of view, like how sentient are they? And in the, in, in the second movie, like I just watched the second one, so that's fresh in my mind. And the first one was yep. a bit of a point A to point B horror film. It was really well done, but the second one has a lot more going on. Yep. And while they're on this base... And they're, you know, they've they've killed everybody because the humans found their eggs and now they all got impregnated, they're all dead, and now this base is overrun with alien monsters, yet this child has survived. And yep. with that child surviving, it's I, I started wondering like, well, how how sentient are they? How smart, how organized are they? Do they communicate in more than just a hive mentality where it's like right. go, go, go? Well they Yet they never caught this kid who's hiding in the ducks and in a dead-end room. Right. Right? And then they cut to another scene where the shuttle is is coming in to collect them when they're trying to, the, the team is trying to, what the people that have survived are trying to, trying to escape. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the alien monster is behind the pilot. And oh, was... she's like, oh, what's going on? And then, yeah. and then his mouth, his drippy mouth opens up and the second jaw <laughs> comes out. And, yeah. and, and then the splat you know? on the windshield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and he'd already just killed the other person yep. yeah. on the ship. So then I started thinking, okay, well, like it reminded me of um, uh, Forbidden Planet, hmm. where in Forbidden Planet they had all this other shit going on on the planet with these sort of ghosty yeah. electro monsters, right? Monsters from the, the id. id. Yeah. 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 And so... I started thinking that, like, imagine this this shuttle was out waiting and the aliens were organized enough to say, hey, there's a shuttle out there. We got to stop the shuttle. Right. Right. So that makes them intelligent yeah. more right. than just a high mentality. Well, it's, it's either that or it's a numbers game where there's just so many of them everywhere. Right. They're like, they spread so fast that at the shuttle, they're there at the control panel. Control, but they, headquarters. They're there. Even in right? the in the movie, they have a little scanner that shows where all the all the they are where they yeah, are. All the colonists were collected so there. They were all, but I mean, all the aliens. Yeah, they, the xenomorphs. They, they all showed Those up on the little scanner. Right. right. Yep. So yeah. it, the whole planet wasn't overrun by them, right? They were just they stayed very grouped together. So I thought it was kind of weird that if they were so you know intelligent that they could organize to take out the shuttle. Very methodically, it was weird that they didn't get the girl. I know. And do they read newspapers? Do they do they watch Netflix? I mean, we yeah, like, even got a when they're not killing their... people. Are they sitting <laughs> yeah. around reading the paper? Taking do they a have like a smoking jacket? Do <laughs> they? I'm going into the toilet. Leave me alone for a little <laughs> while. Let me hold my tail up. You know. And what's weird is Newt, uh, like you said, survived by going through the air ducts, and that's how the aliens move. Exactly. 
That's how they move around. At least an alien, and maybe it's shown in aliens too. That maybe because she was around. so small, she didn't register enough for them to to seriously hunt them down. Maybe. down. I don't know. No, it's it's a flaw. It's it was it, to me. I think that it was a it was a decision made for the script to say we want a kid. We think it's awesome that a a female lead will protect a child, and they keep going with this rebirth, right? Because it's all about like well, it ties into rebirth. Ripley's daughter. Right. You know, she comes back to Earth, and her daughter's dead. Yeah. which may be only in the special edition. That's, that's only, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. which actually, uh, Sigourney Weaver, the reason she did that movie with James Cameron is because she thought it was going to explore her background of her character and this whole thing about her daughter dying right. before she, by the time she gets back, yeah, she was pretty, and then it was all cut. She was pretty pissed when that got yeah, cut. Okay. But let's jump back to the original Alien yeah. because I think it, it was it was groundbreaking yep. in every way that it uh, it upset your um, idea about... Yeah. Uh, about what was going to happen. Who would have imagined when you watched that movie, by three-quarters of the way, you still don't know who's the hero. Yeah, or, or Dallas gets whacked. He's, he's the captain. He's supposed he's to like be. The, he's the first guy that gets he's whacked. He's Tom Scarrett, man. He's got a mustache. He's supposed to be, <laughs> yeah. you think. Yeah. And in the end, it's Warrant Officer Ripley, who is yeah. badass. Yeah. She keeps yeah. cool. She keeps her head. Yeah. And she kicks Xenomorph butt. Yeah. It was really shocking like surprising, I'll say to audiences that she was the one that survived. The woman survives, right? Don't That's forget pretty. the cat, Jonesy, and the cat too. We don't know what. I guess Jones. You'd have to think it's a male cat. So, yeah, or a male and a female survive. Well, it was an orange cat, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So all orange cats are are boys. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Interesting. No girl cats are orange. You should just make that up. Nope. That's a. It's an actual truth. Wait, yeah. is that a Donald Trump truth or is that no, an no, actual no. truth? No, that's a that's an actual truth. Oh wow. It's interesting to me in Alien that, uh, again, dealing with the sexual element, because it's really, you know, to me, that's it, it's very obvious uh, watching Alien, just all these, all these sexual, all the sexual innuendo that is, is presented. One is the, um, the uh, face hugger, right? Mm-hmm. So they, uh, I don't know if I need, really need to give a, a synopsis of the script, but they end up going to this planet. They, What's the name of the planet again? L- LV426. LV426. And yes. they... Uh, Get a, a message from it, and they're required by the company that that pays for everything. Wayland Utani, I think, is the company, sends them to this planetoid to investigate. They're not it. required; they're tricked. Yeah, well, there's said the company that company wants them to check yeah, it out. That's true. Um, so they land there, and uh, uh, they investigate, and they find this derelict ship. And one of the guys goes down into the hull, and there's all these eggs, and he gets. Kane, uh, yeah, Kane, uh, played by John Hurt. Yeah. He gets uh, infected by this face hugger, so it just pops out of this egg. The egg opens vaginally. That, yes, <laughs> that peeling back and the, and the noises it makes was just <laughs> exactly. And then he so looks, gruesome. and then he looks inside. You know, in a, in a you know, and it'll be reflected when we talk about Prometheus. He does the, this really stupid now, rem, move. Rem, yeah, where he looks. Oh, this fucking greasy, gooey thing just opened. Let me just go yeah, right in there. Let me put and my head in closer. Boom! But he's but he's wearing a space helmet. <laughs> Yeah. He's protected. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. So that's right why it, 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 it yeah. subverts your idea of what could happen. But that is true. Yeah. It, during that, when he's talking to the crew, and I forget, the, the, are the crew saying "get out of there" or "don't, don't"? No, not really. No, okay, no. Yeah. But uh, they're saying, "Grab a couple of those eggs. We can have like a breakfast <laughs> made for kings." So he's hit by this face hugger, like you say, it melts through his 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 thing and goes gets wraps wraps around his face, and I and it's not shown in the film until they look at it in the X ray. They did bring him back. They bring Kane's body back. They put him in the med pod and they take a look at it. And you can see it's shoved this tube forcibly down his throat. And they don't know at the time, but it's impregnated him with something yeah. in his chest. Yeah. 
right? So just the thought of that, right? Like, it's rape. Yeah, and it's wrapped its tail around its neck. Yeah, and it's defensive. If you try to fuck around with it, it's like... It's going to tighten it. Like it forcibly, you know. Well, in the it's scene, it's like rape shown. The scene yeah. where it comes out, I, it, it, I'll, whenever I eat chop suey, yes, I always <laughs> think of the scene because the, what he's eating, you know, he gets up, he starts choking yep. and gurgling, and he's eating some stringy looking thing. Yeah. And I always think of Chinese food because I'm sure they were eating Chinese. Food. I, I have to say that you know when I watched that for the first time, I hadn't I hadn't talked to anybody who'd seen the movie, so I had no right. idea what what was happening. Right. And you know the at, at one point the facehugger comes off his face. Yep. But you think, oh well, wait a minute, I guess I guess he's all right, right? Yeah. Like he's eating. He's he eating at the table. Have a, have a nice. Oh, uh, I don't feel so. You know, I, I'm okay now. Yeah, I, yeah I'm going to eat. I'm hungry. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm really hungry. I'm eating for two. I don't know it. Yeah. But I am. <laughs> And and yeah. when that scene, you know, when he starts to to um, retch and and throw up his food and then falls on the table, I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. And that was the incredible. chest, the famous chest burster so scene. They famous. did that scene with in one 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 take. No, they didn't. That, what I read said it was one take with four cameras. Yeah, that's not true. But uh, right here on this piece of paper, <laughs> look, it's in black you, and white. If, if you can see my clipboard, <laughs> maybe I'll, you can't see I'll it because you, uh, you don't have a clipboard. I'll and, be Mike Pence to your. Uh, Kane. It says here the chest bursting scene That's was filmed true. in one take with four cameras. It also says that uh, Ridley Scott himself did all the handheld camera work. That's right. I knew that part. Yeah, that's probably true, but they did a few takes. Now, they, I think what they did, though, is they, is they did uh, close-ups afterwards, obviously. Well, they did the close-ups first. The cameras were, they, he wanted to, maybe that's where that it's the idea one scene, comes right? from, is that they, uh, you know, they had the only person who really knew what was going on in that scene was John Hurt because he's the guy that's infected. He's lying on the table, a cutaway table where he's in a hole and they have a chest that extends out and it's the rest of them. Yeah, right? so it's a fake body on the table, yeah. but he's underneath and his head pokes up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've done that in many, many, yeah. many movies, but so well done here. Yeah. And they've got a, they got a alien, they call him, you know, they got, they call him a chest burster. He's a... The initial one they used, he's on a hydraulic system underneath the table, and it just—it's a hard plastic uh, uh, model of this thing. Very penis-like. Yeah, yes, very penis-like, and they punch it through him. And they sh- shot the first scene, and they didn't really tell—they uh, didn't tell the people, other people, really what was going to happen in the scene, right? So they all—they all walk in. They're all called in to shoot the scene, and the cameras are all covered in plastic, and it's like. The hell's well, they, all they knew there was going to be blood, but apparently they didn't know how much exactly. Blood. Yeah, and they were so shocked that there's all kinds of extra screams that people yeah. were really truly horrified. Well, sure. well, they had a you know, not I don't think it was purposefully, but they um, Veronica Cartwright plays Lambert, she's the navigator, and uh, they had a they amped up the uh, air that's in the tubes, the blood tubes. And they, she got hit right in the face with this huge stream of blood, and she really freaked out. And there's and a, her apparently, the, along with the one shot, the one you know, one take for the the chest bursting yeah, scene. Yeah. Like they might have done the close ups and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but the chest bursting scene, they only did it once. And right. they were saying how there's also a bunch of dialogue where you'll hear dialogue in that scene, but the people's lips don't move because it was all they added. They had to things post because people, post, I think, yeah. were were so shocked that they didn't get their lines out or whatever. Right. So then their lines were in, added in afterwards, yeah. but when they say them, their mouths don't yeah, move. Yeah, it's cut it's, yeah. it's cut strangely when you watch it. 
probably because they've got to cut away from stuff like that. And yet like so effective. Are... Incredibly effective. That that and and when the puppet, I guess you know, there's the there was the hydraulic bursting, but then, then yeah. they cut to the, the guy puppet. who actually designed it. He had he had his hand up there. And yeah, there's a little hand puppet, it, and yeah. you know, and we imitated that. Around. Years, you know, a little <laughs> and runs off. Yeah. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, it was really scared like, the yeah. bloody hell. Well, see, I didn't watch it until '83. Yeah, okay. that's probably. I didn't watch it in the movies theater either because I wasn't old enough. Yeah. And my uncle, my uncle Wayne had a VHS machine, which was a what was a VHS machine. A what? It was a it was a machine with a big square box that slid into another square opening, like an eight track. Are you, are you, are you bigger confusing? than that? Bigger than that, and more expensive. But uh, yeah, at one point in about '83, he went off to work at a cruise on a cruise ship, and he left the VCR with my aunt, who I was living with in Kingston, and. Um, at, at lunchtime, I would go home with my friends, and we would sneak the VCR out, plug it in, and he had a few tapes, and Alien was one of the, the movies on one of his tapes, and we right. would watch it and scare the shit out of ourselves. Oh. The, uh, one, of the, one of the most uh, brilliant things about that movie is so much of what is not said. You know, okay. they, they don't... Go into a, they don't go into any detail of what these xenomorphs are, or where they came from, right. uh, you know, really what they're all about. There's really no talk about that. And when they land on LV-427, 426, sorry, yeah. 426, yeah. Um, you know, the three of them, the Kane and the others, are walking through this, uh, uh, the, the giant spaceship, which also is quite phallic mm-hmm. from the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, they, and they come across the space jockey. Yep. And I called him the navigator because he's got the, the big telescope in front of him. And it's this, like, elephantine looking skeleton and it's a skeleton with a rib cage again it's all again giger's work yeah all exploded sculpted by giger himself actually and they uh they don't linger on it no they look at it yeah they investigate it and then they keep moving he's got the great helmet yeah that looks like an elephant yeah he's got the it's like a gas mask with a long hose on it and the hose is like like the uh old scuba tanks yeah yeah like the ribs yeah but his ribs are all exploded out, which yeah. you know is gives good. you a hint about what's going on. If right? you're really paying attention, but right. I, just, you know, or I just thought, oh my god, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I yeah. love that shot. A very iconic uh, image, and the 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 space jockey seems to be growing out of the seat. Right, he's so fossilized. I yeah, guess. thousands like, and thousands of years. Yeah. Well, what was originally done in um, the first draft that O'Bannon wrote was. They uh, went to the ship. They saw the space jockey. I think there's a few other bodies of what eventually really Scott will refer to as the engineers in Prometheus, which we'll get to. But they leave and they, they take his head. They take that his, the head and the helmet again, like Prometheus, and they take it back to the sh- to the um, Nostromo. But then they find there's a pyramid as well, and they separate the two in the original script where there's the derelict ship and then there's another pyramid they go to and then Cain is infected in the pyramid because it's full oh. of these urns in the original one. But what they do eventually is they meld those two together and they go into the derelict ship and then they go down a hole right near the space jockey and that's where Cain finds the eggs. So they kind of combine it, I guess, for time's sake or whatever. So, I mean, here, you know, that scene where he, he sees like these miles, feels like miles, but I'm sure it's just a huge you yeah, know, it's a football field yeah. of uh, eggs. Yeah. Did he just pick the wrong one? If he like lent over another one, would he have like, like, you know, gotten a, a well, lottery ticket well, what's, for $1,000? What's or? funny is uh, when he goes down into the, in the cargo hold or wherever where all these eggs are, there's a laser that's shooting out and it's covering the eggs. It's just hovering over the top of the eggs. And uh, when they shot that scene at uh, at Shepperton, 
in England, Shepperton Studios in England. Yeah. That's where they shot Alien. Then the soundstage next next to him, the Who was uh, practicing, and they borrowed a laser from the Who to shoot that <laughs> scene. That blue laser, you'll see a scanning laser that shoots across the uh, eggs. What about Sigourney Weaver? Oh, she's yeah. she's something. She is in her tank top and her underwear at the end. What oh a my breakout gosh. role! Holy smokes! Yeah. You know who almost got that role? Mer- that? Meryl Streep. Oh, what? Who, who was her college roommate? Oh, and the no two of them, way. yeah, they were college roommates. Right. Is that true? No, college mates. They were college. They both went at the same time. They were right. schoolmates. Mm. Uh, and Meryl Streep was up. So for it's it. like Ross and Gord Downey. Yeah, basically exactly. the same. <laughs> Same. I think I think closer and Sigourney mm, Weaver didn't have to really? spill a coffee really? on on herself <laughs> to get attention. <laughs> Look at me, splash! <laughs> I'm a rock star too. Um, no, but Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep were both up for it, and they went with the lesser known uh, Sigourney. Yeah. Had she done Kramer versus? Yeah, she would have done Kramer versus Kramer by then, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But she was still not Meryl Streep. No, but I mean, I'm no Meryl Streep was. Sigourney Weaver wasn't in Kramer versus Kramer. Meryl Streep was. So yeah. what my point is that if she you was look in the background, you'll see Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. It she was, was in the courtroom as right. a court reporter. It yeah. was the same year, I think. Kramer versus Kramer seventy nine. Really? Yeah. Okay. It was a great movie. Yeah. So she no, must have done that instead. Sigourney Weaver owned that role, yeah. and and I'm you know I guess one of the early instances of uh, of completely flipping our uh, perception of who should be the hero of a movie, right? And having a very strong female character. Who right. was, who was a woman? There's no doubt about it. She was a woman, but she yeah, as was. You saw at the end in the skimpy panties. <laughs> Except the... you know they had they put tape over her nipples because they thought the nipples was too much. Just like uh, Carrie Just like Fisher. Like Carrie Fisher. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now I was thinking about speaking of like the powerful nipples? woman oh. character. Well, I'm always talking about nipples. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that it was the first time that a woman was in as take charge role. Well, Princess Leia. No, but I, you know, I was thinking Princess Leia was, mm. get out of my way. She was all fine and carpet. dandy, but yeah. she really didn't take or any in the, leadership in the roles. Cell, or in the, cell, in the cell, she likes, all, she's telling them what to do. Yeah, let's Just because she's bossy. Here. Women have been bossy in film for, no, but she had, she had way more authority than, than yeah, either. She's Louis not right. just bossy. She, she's making she was, good decisions. She's only, sending him into a garbage compactor. Exactly. Where they almost died. But she was just because she's a princess and she's used to people serving her. No, right. I, I think she was. I, but she Sigourney Weaver is is literally the boss. You know, she becomes. She is by the end of the film. She is the boss. In in Aliens, she's the boss. Even though, like Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, she is pointless in Aliens. Hmm. In the second film, she's not she, pointless. She's been there. She saves. No, no, no. It's not about lab. been there though. They are we she's moving on observer. to Aliens? Well, I still got a couple things, but we, go ahead. We can, back, we can bounce back and forth. Yeah. So in Aliens, it, it occurred to me that, okay, so she comes back. She she They discover her her pod. Right. She's been floating in space uh, in cryogenesis or whatever yeah. for 57 yeah. years. Hypersleep. Whatever. And they find her, they bring her on, and they say, yo, baby, you've been sleeping for 57 years. Everybody you know is dead. And um, it was Christopher Walken who told her that too. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yep. Cut his scene. And hey, you're you sleeping. Know, you've and been sleeping for 57 years. Too long. <laughs> and <laughs> so everybody's dead. So there she is, uh, Paul Reiser. Oh, yeah, such a great role. Burke, so slimy. Carter Burke. He's, he's like yeah. with, you the, know, with the with the with the collar sticking yeah, it's up. Popped up collar. Eighties. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it wasn't even a popped up collar. It was a jacket yeah. designed. With that 
popped up collar. Because that's the fashion of the day. Right, because right? yeah, it was it was like the stubby collared yeah. jacket, but then with a lapel, almost like a modified uh, yeah. German Lederhosen jacket or whatever. Yeah, very 40s kind of uh, uh, look yeah, to it, yeah, to the jacket. That's true. And with his, with his greasy, curly hair. Oh, so yeah. he said, you know, like, uh, yeah, we'll find something for you to do, but we want you to, you know, toe the line, not She's to an observer. break She's, the balls of the company and all yeah. these kind of things, right? And uh, then at one point he says, you know, we want you, we're going to go back. And she's like, don't go back. That's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, you know, we're going to go back. Uh, and, but there's and we, a reason they have to go back. Yeah. No, no, hold on. They want her to go back because she's been there mm-hmm. and she has some sort of insight. Right. Right. To the fact that aliens are going to have a double jaw and put it through your yeah. skull. Because yeah. right. she knows that. And they can't. she can't just tell them that. She has no super ability. She has no... Knowledge of battling them. She doesn't know anything about their. Well, she doesn't have knowledge of battling them. She took them on. Yeah, but no, but she's not a marine. Them. She's not a marine. And their, yeah. their blood is acid. She tells all. She's this a consultant, right? right? She's a total consultant. They're yeah. going to go with like this Navy SEAL esque hired, you know, uh, colonial marines, yeah, or whatever. And yeah. they're going to go back. Why she's there all the way through? I kept thinking, why is she even there? And every time she says something, she, the response is, "Shut up." We're not until, listening to you. No, until they go in for the first time. Until they break actually, into the hive. Yeah, and then she actually then the, takes the, charge. Right? The commander. Corman. L- Gorman. Oh. Yeah. He loses it, right? He loses all ability, no, no. all authority. That's, yep. And that's all fine, right? Because she takes the, she takes charge and she's the hero, right? right. And, and they all listen to her ultimately. Yeah. yeah. She proves herself. But that's not the point. My point <laughs> is, is that why bring her in the first place? Because without the, eventually she's going to rise to the challenge. Besides that, no, There's it, no reason to bring her. There is absolutely reason. If you're going into an unknown situation, none of them have come across this this beast before. She has you nothing want, to contribute, though. Sure she does. What? She she she, she knows. She dealt with the alien before. All she has to do is say, hey, those are eggs? Get out of there. Yeah, but she can say that. Look, here's a piece of paper. If it looks like a giant egg with a, a vagina on the top, don't, don't look at it, it, even with a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And if you see an alien... Run! You're probably dead. Yeah, you're probably. You know, dead. Right. it's gonna be that his double jaw, his little silver teeth are gonna be the last. So, what thing you, your point is is that the the uh, plot device to get her to go along isn't that strong. But what they do in that in that regard is they don't concentrate more on the uh, on the marine side. They concentrate more on Ripley's side, and she's thinking, "I'm not gonna go." She tells Carter Burke, "Forget it, I'm not gonna go." But then she's having these nightmares, and she realizes she's got to face her fears yeah. and go back. And sure, plus, that's it, why she so decides to go. So that's why it sells, and that's what sells that scene. Well, plus, they're not the, too worried about well, but why what's she going goes on with back. the Marines. That's fine. She, it's her yeah. mission. It's her well, they, journey that she's got to take, and yeah. that's fine. It's not a but. But again, it's not why she would choose to go. It's why they would want her to go. Hmm. Like, there's no reason because Paul Reiser's, uh, you know, his, you know his what? motivation is the company, right? But that's maybe a reason why. Maybe they I'm thought just, she'd die. There's I'm thinking now is that. Maybe Paul Reiser's thinking, you know, my odds are get, of getting Ripley impregnated by an alien and being able to bring her back is better than maybe one of the Marines. That's true. Like the whole right? goal was to bring one of them back, yeah. right? It's 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 reflecting, not, but not it's at a, that it's, point. It's a, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a it's a narrative that goes all the way through the alien movies. Is this company Whalen Yutani, right? And they want to get the alien for their bio weapons division. Exactly. So they in the a- original Alien, they're sent there. For that reason, and the and the and the uh, the the artificial intelligence. Yeah, Ash is the guy, the, the android who's he, he's work obviously. Yeah, he's a, he's a sleeper agent, yeah, right? For, he's the, for the company, he's the one. If we jump back to Alien, he's the one when they're approaching the ship, and Kane's got this face hugger on his face. 
and Ripley says, you can't come on board. That's against protocol. Right. We have an infected person. Tough luck. Yeah. You know, the rules are. And it's Ash. She says, no, no, no. I think he just opens the door. Yeah. He just opens it. He opens it. And they, and you know, overrides her because, of course, he has the hidden agenda of bringing yeah. it back. Yeah. They want it brought back. And it's reflected again in Aliens. It's one yeah. of the themes they run with in Aliens is that you still want it. Burke is the guy this time that's going to get them impregnated and yeah. get them past quarantine. I still think it was weak. I think it was totally weak well, getting her there. And I think that Ridley Scott wanted her there for this whole mother-child circle. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. But, but, you know, now just remember that, you know, uh, when Ripley and Newt are in the uh, are in the medical bay. Yep. It's Burke who lifts the lid off the uh, yep. face hugger yep. so that it won't impregnate them. Yep. That's what he wants. And he locks he wants the door. Newt, and at this point, Newt, they find the Newt, and he wants Ripley impregnated so they can bring totally. him back. Totally. When they're there. Because, but, but no, that was his plan all along. Yeah, but at that point, they don't know what they're really in store. They, they think maybe there's one... Who knows how many there are? They don't even know if there's going to be anything there. They don't know if she's crazy. They don't care. They just want to bring one back. I don't know. Speaking of okay. the medical lab. Right. Okay. So in the medical lab, that whole scene starts with Sigourney Weaver is telling the little girl to go to, go to sleep. Right. You know? yep. And the little girl says, I, I don't want to sleep. Right. I have bad dreams. Well, mostly right? they come at night. And, mostly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Sigourney's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just don't think about it. Don't, just, just, you know, don't worry about it. And I'm thinking to myself, right, don't worry about it. You saw everybody you know, including your parents, get murdered by these monsters. That's not her attitude in the scene, though. You know, uh, Newt says, my mom always told me there were no such thing as monsters, but there are. And Ripley says, that's true. There are sometimes. Yeah. She's not, but, but she's also no, but she's also she's saying, not saying relax. There's no problem. No, no, she's, yeah, but she she is she because I I as I was as that scene was playing out, I just kept thinking she was kind of like, but just go to sleep. But she's you a know. parent. That's what you do. You try to reassure your child, even though there are definite fears. You're trying to reassure them so that they can they can uh, you know rest and do what they need to do to survive. Right. You know Carrie Heen, who's Newt. She had zero acting experience. You can tell. She also like, never did another movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And she, not even a play in school. Mostly they she come done. at night. Mostly. Mostly. They're dead. Okay, can I go now? <laughs> <laughs> Great lines from Carrie Heen. Yeah. You know, about the sentience, too. Like, the aliens also cut the power. Yeah. What do you yeah. mean to cut the power? They're animals, man. Exactly. Yeah. Hudson. <laughs> like, oh. you know, so did they, <laughs> let's chew die. on this wire accidentally, <laughs> like a mouse. But no. Right. They, yeah. you know. Right. Well, we can move on to Aliens. That's cool. Released in 1986. Directed Many by, years later. By seven some, years after By the some kid named James Cameron. Yeah, he never did anything else after that, did he? No, he didn't. I he just faded away. That was it. 31 years old. It was his first major studio movie. So there you can see a, a trend happening where with the Alien films where they give it to new, fairly neophyte directors because Ridley Scott hadn't done much. Well, I think he had his producers, I don't know if it was wife at the time, but his producing partner, the Gail Ann Hurd, yeah. who worked on Terminator. Yeah. She produced uh, Aliens as well. So yeah. she was a known quantity. That's he true. He had done Terminator. Yeah, not a big, not a major studio film, but no, a big absolutely. hit. No, absolutely, yeah. yeah but a hit. big hit. Yeah. Well, they, they also actually held off the production of Aliens because they wanted Cameron so much mm-hmm. and he had to finish filming Terminator. That's Interesting. true. That's true. So Cameron, he's one of the guys that went to the Roger Corman School of Filmmaking because he had done... Uh, Where's that school? He had done, well, with Roger Corman, I guess, he had done uh, set design and um, 
second unit photography on Galaxy of Terror for Roger Corman and New World a great Pictures. B movie. 1981. And what's funny is... Uh, which was know, which was itself a ripoff of Alien. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the funny thing. Yeah. And it has a scene where a woman is raped to death by a giant slug. Yeah. But we won't get into that, no. those details. But um, what's funny is while uh, James Cameron was doing that for Roger Corman, he hired a, a, a kid into the art department and his name was Bill Paxson. Oh. So Bill Paxson had actually worked with James Cameron for Roger Corman at New World uh, Pictures. And then, of course, uh, he uh, had a, a scene in uh, Terminator at the beginning, you know, your clothes, give them to me now. Oh, he was one of the biker guys. He was one of the kids oh, at the beginning. Yeah. That was Bill Paxton. Well, he Wash was, day, nothing clean, right? He's oh, guy's it's funny to think that he that. was older in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Or Who? What? No, well, Bill Paxton was in Weird Science. Oh, weird science, but that's still, yeah, he's Chad. still older, older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the older but he looks younger. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He always reminded me of Harrison Ford, which yeah. also Harrison Ford was up for the same role. Yeah, in Alien. Yeah. In Alien. He, he was up he, for he, Captain Dallas. Did you know that, Ross? Yeah, I didn't that's know right. that. Yeah. Harrison Ford was up for that role. He turned it down. Yeah, I guess he didn't want I'm to be typecast. I'm not playing those second fiddle anymore. Well, I guess it was maybe science fiction, but he did end up doing Blade Runner with Ridley Scott. So Yeah, except Dallas, of course, is not the hero of the movie. That's so. true. Maybe so, yeah. Maybe that's why. You know, we uh, we were talking this week about how Aliens to Alien was like Empire Strikes Back to Star Wars. Right. It changed the director and the second Almost kind film, of a better film, considered a better film. Most people I like think, it generally. better, yeah. even though... Yeah, that's true. Because it's yeah, a completely a different uh, that's take a good way on of putting it. it. Now, it's a, now it's a war movie. It's an action movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's an action This time it's war. Yeah. That's the tag. tag but in Star film. Wars and Empire Strikes Back, it's like Star Wars is so sort of rudimentary. Right, yeah. it's rougher. It, it makes oh, no, it's my it favorite sets, one. I still prefer. It, it sets everything up, right? Yeah. And Alien is sort of the same way. And then Aliens was this glossier one where you know Cameron was brought in and made it more digestible for right. the masses. Right. Actually, talking about Bill Paxton. So, did you guys know that Bill Paxton directed the video for Fish Heads? You know, Barnes oh, yeah, and yeah. Barnes. Fish heads, fish heads, heads yeah. roly poly, fish heads. Hear that song, Ross? Ever I'm going to go that? ahead and say no. Oh, my gosh. No, it was a big thing in the 80s. Yeah, it was a huge, oh, I wouldn't say a huge hit. It was a cult hit, it I was. guess. And Bill Paxton directed the video for that. Hmm. Well, it's funny that you say that because uh, two of my favorite films and two of my uh, top 100 are both with Bill Paxton. One is Near Dark. I was going to say. Right. Best yeah. vampire movie ever. With Lance Henriksen. Also That's right. Again. Aliens. And uh, um, yeah, J- Jamie. Jeanette Goldstein. Jeanette Goldstein. Who's Vasquez in Aliens. Yeah. And then he also did a film with Judd Nelson called The Dark Backward. And in that, he was, uh, it was a pretty kooky film. And Fishheads is right. They could have played that throughout the film. Right. You know, I don't I think love I've ever Bill seen that. Nobody does sort of uh, scaredy pants. Well, um, to put her in charge. Yeah. No, but in Near Dark, you <laughs> see, he totally reminds me of Harrison Ford as well in Near Dark because he's like the cool Han Solo guy, right? Slicing didn't you people's tell me, throats with his Didn't spurs. you tell me like last week that you thought Betty White was a lot like Harrison Ford? No, <laughs> Betty White. No, I was saying I called you Betty White. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like Harrison Ford. That's so right. there I made a mental And you connection. like Betty White. Yeah. Play a character called by the same name as yourself. Yeah. So Cameron had... Uh, had real troubles uh, on the film. They shot it at Pinewood Studios in England. And there was a lot of uh, cultural shock, I guess, because one of the things they like to do uh, on British productions is they break for tea time in the morning and it's in the afternoon. It's not that they like to do. It's the union demand. They do it, and yeah. it's a union 
mandated thing that they right. have tea time. Yeah. So I guess they'd be shooting a moody shot and they'd have the sound stage all full of smoke. And then all of a sudden they'd slide the big doors open and this lady would come in with her cart and the biscuits and the tea. One lump or two. And all the, all the smoke, like ha- what's happening here uh, in Chad's fire pit, all the smoke would leak out the doors and Cameron would be flipping out, losing his shit. Oh, I thought and, he was a real even keel, uh, quiet guy who oh never ever raised his voice. Okay. I guess that's why on the set of the, uh, I think it was the Abyss, all the all the crew had T-shirts made up that said, uh, I "You can't scare me. I work for James Cameron." Yeah. Well, uh, one thing that uh, that I, you know, it stands out for me watching uh, Cameron's Aliens is uh, this uh, interesting. We touched on it a little bit. Is this interesting mother daughter dynamic? You've got uh, Ripley, and she pretty much adopts Newt when they find her on LV-426. And uh, then as the movie progresses, they find out where all the aliens are coming from. It's from this uh, from this alien queen. Yes. She's laying the eggs that are hatching and, and making these aliens. So we see it actually secreting the eggs yeah, yeah. in a rather gruesome... Yeah, with this giant puppet. Yeah. They like took like 18 puppeteers to like control. Yeah. Just like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so then you've got uh, Ripley protecting Newt, and then you've got the alien queen protecting her brood, and it's just kind of neat. The showdown, I mean, there was the, yeah. the, the standoff there was yeah. electric. And then, of course, there's the ultimate showdown. Yeah, well, this is why we're talking about why it's such a perfect film, because they perfectly set everything up. Like, at the beginning, like, Chad, you were saying that Ripley really seems like a third wheel. In fact, she mentions it at the beginning when they're on the Sulaco, the uh, ship that the Marines are on that are going back to this planetoid. Um, and she's like, she talks to uh, Apone and uh, Hicks, I guess, is there. And she's like, is there something I can do? And he's like, well, I don't know. Is there anything you can do? And she's like, I can run that power loader. So she goes over there and you can see that she's doing it because it was further set up when she, you know, the the company drums her out of being a warrant officer, a flight officer on any starship. They re- withdraw her license. It's shown in the, the meeting she has with the people from uh, Wayland yutani So she's reduced to running a power loader. All she can do is shipping. She's in the shipping department, right? Just moving cargo back and forth with a power loader. Then she shows it again in the Sulaco that she can run it. And then at the end, they have this big showdown where she's using that against the alien queen. It's just beautifully set up. Everything is set up and you, nothing comes out of left field. Right. And, and you know, at toward the end of the movie, they're back on the Sulaco and it's just Newt and, uh, and, uh, Ripley and, uh, Hicks who's injured and Bishop. And Bishop, the android, and you think, well, that's a nice wrap up to the movie. They, you know, <laughs> destroyed all the. Uh, she she blew up the refiner, or the the plant on the on LV two four two six. Yep, they're leaving. What a great way to end. Oh, <laughs> Bishop is torn in half <laughs> with the tail. Was brilliant. I remember that being a really shocking scene? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that again a perfect film because they set all that up because they find Ripley floating in the lifeboat from Alien. And they, she goes to a space station, and they do this great kind of fool you thing at the beginning, where she's uh, wakes up out of a nightmare, and then Burke comes and talks to her, and then she's like, "Oh God, oh!" And she's like, "Gonna, she's got an alien inside her that's mm. gonna burst out." They have a great scene where she pulls up her shirt, and they see the alien coming out, and then she wakes up. Yeah, that's all a dream. So they do that at the beginning, where they it looks like Ripley is, you know, they kind of fake that oh Ripley's infected, and then. 
that scene where she's talking with Bishop and all of a sudden something bursts out of him. You think, oh, it's another chestburster, but it's really the alien uh, queen's tail bursting through him. And then you have the the uh, the fight of a lifetime. Yeah. Well, which is funny. First of all, like the fact that the tail was such a, a great weapon when the alien queen is coming up the elevator. Mm. The puppet was so big, it didn't fit with the, They had to take the tail off to fit it in the elevator. <laughs> oh, right. So Which we never noticed. The, she yeah. didn't have the tail. Yeah. Well. But then she got it back. Then she got it back. She had it tucked under her. She retracted it into her head. Uh, I find that, uh, yeah, it's the best girl fight ever. Yeah. Get away Wait from her, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's further, you know, furthering this. The the new the new image of the powerful woman in film, yeah, or it's two mothers battling each other. Yeah. The only yeah. the only drawback I think to Aliens, um, and it's the one and only complaint, other than the um, poor acting of Newt, but then she's a kid, so we overlook it. The only drawback to the end of Aliens is uh, once again the uh, the alien gets uh, shoved out of an airlock. Yeah. Which is how well, it gets, she gets rid of it in the beginning. Yeah. So the way you get rid of everybody in space. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have to do that because the alien is. Um, got acid for blood. When Dan O'Bannon was writing the script for Alien, he couldn't figure out why, why don't they just shoot this thing? Why don't they just shoot it? And his buddy there, Ron Shusett, said, uh, well, just make the alien have acid for blood and then they don't dare shoot it or his acid's going to leak right through the hull and depressurize. Yeah. So that's where that came from. You know, when, uh, so Sigourney Weaver had done um, Ghostbusters in between these two films. Yeah, 84. And it occurred to me that in these films, she's dressed like a Ghostbuster. Mm. She's wearing a very similar That's jumpsuit. That's true, the gray jumpsuit, yeah. yeah. You know, except yeah. it's in two pieces, but I don't know. That was an acting tour de force. She was just... It really she, was. When, but when she took command, yeah. when they uh, and she drove the uh, armored vehicle inside to, yeah. to rescue... What they could, yeah. That, like you said, that's the turning point where she really takes charge. Suddenly, she's not just some consultant. Yeah, she was nominated for an Academy Award. She was. That's a very movies. rare thing for a genre film like that for someone to get. Well, a Alec Guinness like was that. nominated for Star Wars. Yeah, seventy-seven. So, yeah. but he's also Alec Guinness, <laughs> right? That's true, right? right? They want to throw something at him, right? right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there that's was a, there was a great Reebok ad I saw. Where they were at Reebok, they were had the shoes sh- pitching the shoes that they had used in it, yeah. and the catchphrase says, "On July 18th, Reebok will preview a shoe that you won't see for 150 years." Mm. Now, what I found was more interesting was that we'd had a discussion about uh, what if if you write something out, which words are capitalized and which words aren't yeah. in a title. Right, and I use words like "with" and "the" are always lowercase. Right, which I don't yeah. agree with. Right. I agree with. Well, well, we we disagreed about <laughs> What's with. Wrong with you. Yeah. So we were talking about like may the force with. be with you. The yeah. word "with" isn't capitalized. No, either no. to or in. No, in I can understand. With but is with. especially small because even in shorthand, it's a small w with a slash. Yeah. Right, but in this ad, they they did it. Um, uh, they wrote it out so that uh, on 18, on July 18th, Reebok will preview a shoe that you won't see for 150 years. They capitalized Reebok, lowercase will, capital P for preview, little a, big S for shoe. If you take all the capital letters as to say, please don't buy me, I was made by slaves. <laughs> <laughs> it's like secret code from code all the child laborers. And Chad will one day ramble about this for no reason. I'm, I'm trapped in a shoe factory. <laughs> Please help. Please send help. But not Michael Jordan. He's the worst. The funny thing is, uh, did um, 
Nike not pay enough because Cameron had Nike had a great Nike shot in the Terminator when he's in the clothing store and he's uh, Kyle Reese is hiding from the cops and his foot comes down and he puts on those Nikes. Maybe they like maybe a sexy they, shot. them against each other. Or yeah. Reebok said, you know, we'll pay you, you more. Get on this get yeah, we'll pay you more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also noticed that the one of the eggs. Yep. The alien eggs, eggs used in the film is now exhibited at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. Right next Ross. to the Enterprise. Is Must, it? Did you no. see it? it? It wouldn't be in the National Air and Space Museum. It would be, I can't imagine where it would be. It's not there. It might be in the... Uh, Wasn't it the one where Archie... Maybe something yeah, it might be in the Bunker's Natural chair. History. It might be yeah. in the Natural History with Archie Next Bunker. to Fonzie's jacket. Yeah, Fonzie's exactly. Jacket. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and, and Pac-Man. And Betty White. Pac-Man and, and Did you know uh, that she, she spends weekends at that museum? And she just sits in a chair? She's just posing? Yeah. <laughs> She's a national treasure. Oh my gosh! Uh, I heard that the um, the alien screams were made of baboon. They it wasn't it. the Wilhelm. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a baboon scream. Oh, that's the alien monster. I got another. I got. I got. If we're talking about trivia, you know, we're talking about the sexual allegory of um of the alien films. Did you know the original director of photography for Aliens was named Dick Bush? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he president of the United States yeah. twice? <laughs> That's like Dick Cheney and Bush. Yeah. Merged I guess into he one. and Cameron didn't see eye to eye, so they bumped him and brought another guy in. Yeah, that's one same the, as on Star wonder, Wars. I wonder if his middle initial was D. Dick D. Bush? Dick Bush. Oh. <laughs> Brother to Kate Bush. Oh, here's another uh, little tidbit speaking of Bill Paxton. Yep. Uh, Bill Paxton <laughs> continuously apologized to the kid all the way through every time he swore. Oh, and it was like a constant, constant. He swore I'm, a lot. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's funny. He's great. I love Bill Paxton. We're fucked now, man. We're fucking doomed. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. He was great. Hudson. It was a, he oh, was a great role. Here's a great little piece of trivia. Yep. The uh, alien nest set was kept intact after filming. And it was later used as the Ace Chemicals, speaking oh, of our last one, Batman. Ace Chemical in the Batman uh, 1989. Yeah, yeah I had heard that. Uh, when the Batman crew first entered the set, they found most of the alien nest still all right. as it was. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know Sigourney Weaver got paid a million dollars for that role and unadjusted for inflation, that's 33 times what she got for Alien. She was only paid 33 grand for the that, first yeah. Alien. Well, I mean, they were, they were made on a shoestring that first yeah. movie, really. Yeah. That's cool. Did you know that she was originally hired to play Batman in the Tim Burton movie? I didn't know that. She was too tall. She couldn't fit in the Batwing, so they had to find. They they brought in Michael Keaton. Right. It's too bad because I think she made an awesome Batman. Anything more about Aliens, Chad? Yeah. The the other thing I have is um, because I got to pivot into less fertile. uh, James Horner, who did the great a great score. Right. But he argued that James Cameron gave him so little time, and they had a big fight. Right. right, and he gave they gave him so little time that he ended up cannibalizing previous scores well, yeah. that he had done. There's all kinds of Star Trek too. Well, there's uh, Wrath of Khan, yeah, Star Trek Three. Search yeah. for Spock. Spock. His name was. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, unpronounceable in Vulcan. A <laughs> couple of ballets. That's his middle name, or his last name. His last name is un- no. His first name is unpronounceable. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, he says that the 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 I guess they had such a nasty fight that he would never work with Cameron again. No, oh, but then he came back. And then he came back because Cameron wooed him because he'd loved uh, the score of Braveheart so much, and they eventually worked it all out. On and Titanic. they did the score for Titanic, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and then they both won Oscars for it. Yeah, he right. won an Oscar too. 
And then, oh, and they also did Avatar. Right. So they made Alien and Aliens, and then they didn't make any more. The end. The yeah. end. We're done. Oh, speaking of Prometheus. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, and then Prometheus. No. Uh, wait a minute. There's a whole bunch in between there. Unfortunately, yeah. Ross hang is, on, hang, is, hold on to your horses right, there. Yeah. Put that clipboard away. I do believe that. Don't blow your. When load. you and I just barely knew each other, we went to see Alien versus Predator. Is and that I, true? And I think so. And I I have this this recollection because Antarctica and Atlantis are a personal hobby of mine. And after Obsession. seeing that ridiculous movie, I thought there was elements of it that tie in with with things I've read. You're, you're, Do you remember that, Ross? I, I, being, having this new did friend. Did we go somewhere and talk about it and then when you told me about I, the whole Chariots I thought of the we, Gods thing? I thought we walked. We were walking across uh, Richmond Street back towards our, our uh, individual houses. And I remember talking and, and getting the impression from you that you were like, You're getting further. The fuck is this Ross guy is, talking? Ross is, walking, <laughs> Ross is walking further away from you. Know, you know, we could walk along <laughs> Richmond Street all the way to Bathurst. But you know, I think I'm going to break off at Spadina. Yeah. <laughs> I rarely go down Adelaide. I'm, I'm going to take gonna, Adelaide. I'm going to turn north for some reason. Yeah. I'm actually going <laughs> to go back the other way and go down John Street. I'm going to back. <laughs> see, that's how you know it wasn't me because I will never backtrack. That's a religious thing for me. Uh, right. I, I don't. I don't remember that um, very right. clearly. Yeah, it's too bad. But aliens, Alien Three. Yes, that uh, was David the, the, Fincher. Yeah, that is uh, one of the abominations yeah. of cinema. Um, and I don't know where it went wrong, but I, I it's can the remember episode one, as you're saying. It basically, yeah. it's the Phantom Menace. Um, ah, good point. Uh, what I hated, you know, is a- aliens. Uh, aliens, no, no two, just aliens, mm-hmm. uh, ended on such a perfect note. Mm-hmm. She successfully. Saved After Newt. all that, After like all a battle, that, a, a terrible battle. She, she saved Hicks, she saved Newt, and yeah. even Bishop. She's got to pull resources out of nowhere and just go back and in. And she did it. And walk right back into that hive and rescue Newt. Yeah, and then five minutes into Aliens 3, everybody's dead. <laughs> like, fuck you, David Fincher. Like, what a terrible, fuck you. What a terrible way to start the film, just on such a downer, right? Incredible downer. And, and, then, and then it's set on a prison planet. Yeah, so well, there's no guns. No guns, but not only that, you don't. They're all rapists and murderers. Yeah. So who I don't you, care if you get eaten by an alien. <laughs> Go ahead. See ya. You know. And then Charles Durning, I guess, is the not Charles Durning. Um, you wish Charles uh, uh, Dunning uh, Dance, or something. Charles Dance. Oh yeah, he's was the doctor. The only, Tyrion Lannister. He was yes. He was yeah. the only sympathetic Tywin. character. Sorry, and, Tywin. And Lannister. he gets killed. And yeah. everybody else, you just couldn't give a crap. And for some reason, Ripley bangs him, yeah. which is kind of out of. Character, character completely. for her. She just bangs this guy. I guess you know she's. No, I think that one of the one of the points about the banging in the movies <laughs> is that uh, it's to show that in the future there's sort of a sort of indifference to just banging, right? Said, you just, you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't get along, whatever. But for the sake of yeah. the hell, you know, what well, the they, hell of it? Let's just go bang and then we'll go back. They to actually, the, uh, Ripley and Dallas had a sex scene in that's right. Alien in the same kind of well, uh, tension. Well, well, yeah, they, they, I don't know if they filmed it. They might have filmed it. I think they filmed it. But they had, they did have, they they hooked up hmm. Dallas and Ripley. Interesting. Had a scene. Did not know that. So uh, Alien 3 was um, was a huge disappointment to me. It was. And better, better forgotten. Yeah. Well, Fincher, uh, again, it was Fincher's first directing gig. Mm-hmm. So that's three Alien films in a row where they're giving it to new directors, which is kind of interesting to me. Well, Maybe it's not sp- that they gave it to Ridley Scott. He, he, he. Started the project, didn't he? No, no he walked in. Like I said, it was Dan O'Bannon 
in 20th Century Fox had it kind of set up and they were looking for a director. I believe that's what I said. Anyway, okay. um, with David Fincher, I think he also was from commercial background, right? Yeah, he was, right. exactly. That's another and, thing, and music yeah. videos. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and apparently that was just a torturous experience. I think what he wanted to do, they th- the studio thought it was going to be too expensive. and they Yeah, there's a lot of interference there, a lot of studio interference. Yeah. But uh, overall, the whole premise of the film is baloney and, and Yeah, there's terrible. some good stuff. Like at the end of the film... The alien is running through those tunnels, and it's he does POV shots where it's just running through the tunnels and going up around, and you know it's kind of interesting. Mm. Inter- you can see Fincher's kind of dramatic or visual flair there. That he'll I'm just curious. Bring on to other films. I would love to uh, interview Sigourney Weaver and ask her what her reason was to do the movie. Right. Because her character is uh, everything she would have loved about Aliens is gone. What yeah. year was that? It's 1992, Aliens 3, when it was released. Because she had nothing else really going on. Maybe. I don't know. Well, there was the Ghostbusters 2. No, that's like 86 or something. No, it wasn't that quickly after the first Ghostbusters. No, it was was in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. 89, maybe. It was a long... Maybe 89. Yeah, it was a long long period in between. Well, it takes a long time to write such a brilliant script. (laughs) Fucking garbage. (laughs) is crap but of course don't you know don't worry about uh don't worry about poor david fincher because he goes on to make a I mean, you know, little movies like seven and fight club and yeah. you know no no worries oh, for he him. survived but and and yeah. i guess maybe what she thought is you know aliens 3 ends with her throwing herself into the vat yep to kill herself and the alien that's growing yeah. inside her thinking that that's okay well they can't possibly bring my character to so i don't understand that. ripley was impregnated yeah how does she last the whole film before it bursts? Because it's it's set she kind of very, it's, it's under twenty four hours. By the time you're impregnated, then you're having this very slow kid. metabolism. I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. You're right because the, the uh, wasn't there a dog that that goes into her pod, mm. right? Because the whole the, the only interesting thing about Alien Three, the only interesting thing, is that and it makes perfect sense now is the xenomorph uh, depending on what creature it uh, yeah. It gestates and yep. takes on that characteristic. Some DNA, yeah. So the alien in Alien 3 looks more canine than, yeah. than human, which yeah. makes sense. But that, and, it, and it's running along. Yeah, that and, and that happened within the course of the movie, whereas she must have been impregnated in the pod, and yet it didn't burn, you know, wasn't good, yeah. nothing happened. It's interesting, uh, an interesting story there is that uh, they contacted H.R. Giger to do some more alien design work for Alien 3, and he was all excited, and he was like going to improve all the problems he had seen with the uh, initial Alien. They had they skipped Giger for Aliens. Uh, Cameron wanted, you know, less detail but more articulation in the suits yeah. because they're all running, and he needs like a whole bunch of them, so they can't, you know, yep. can't spend you know months Giger, you know, f- sculpting this thing. So they kind of they you know they gave him a miss on on aliens, but they came to him in Alien Three, and he actually designed a new alien which looks more like a canine. It's all, it kind of moves on four feet, and he actually sculpted the whole thing out. And then they eventually said, eh, "I don't think we're going to use your designs. We'll make our own shit." Oh. And they kind of left him hanging. He wasn't too happy about that. So the uh, there was a script done by William Gibson for Alien oh. Three, and. Uh, he uh, he had in that film because they weren't sure that if Scorny Weaver was going to ask too much money or if she really wanted to do it. I think she was making noise like I don't really don't want to do a third one. 
So they so the William Gibson screenplay, I haven't read it, but it's supposedly Hicks and Bishop are the heroes, like they I guess the survive in the pod and they're the main characters in that script. And then the studio probably balked at doing an Aliens movie without Sigourney. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. So then I think after that, until Avatar, she didn't have a good movie except for one. 1999's Galaxy Quest. Oh, oh my God. Such you a know. great, great film. We should do a, a podcast only on Galaxy Quest because that's one of my favorite movies. We already yeah. did one on Star Trek. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good what more do you want I like the scene my scene I remember most is they're going through the ship and there's a scene where they, there's a hallway and there's these giant pistons coming down <laughs> why, right? these, why the fuck is this like this, this? Even who here? designed this fucking ship <laughs> Sorry. and she I, just repeats the computer that's my job damn it I'm gonna do it as best as I can I watched it I, I watched it with my kids it's such a great movie like it, you know it so just good. really stands up it's yeah enjoyable all the way through such probably my only the only tim what's his name tim allen tim allen the only tim allen film i can start agreed agreed yeah you didn't like toy story other than toy story yeah what else did he do well i mean live action santa claus oh i forgot santa claus that's right no No, the first that was fine (laughs) are you talking about the first one or two three four five six seven Speaking There's of a lot al- of clauses in that contract. Aliens films. So we're done with Alien 3? Yes. All right. But unfortunately, that means we have to move to Alien Resurrection. Uh, it's just more four. of the same crap, right? Number that's four. with Winona Ryder, right? That's correct. Yes. Where they've cloned. That's the android. Cloned, uh, one, one thing that's interesting, when once you get to Alien Resurrection is, in Alien, the android was Ash. In Aliens, it was Bishop. In uh, Alien 3, I guess there wasn't one. In yeah. Alien Resurrection, her name is Call. So they're going A, B, C. And then in Prometheus, what's the name of the uh, alien? Bob. Uh, uh, what's the name of the... Um, Michael Fassbender's character? Yeah, Bob. The, the I, I believe it was Bob. It's David. Oh. So A, B, C, D. They're going down the alphabet. And yet D takes... Prometheus takes place before... See, in Prometheus, movies. his name should have started with Z. Yeah. And that way, they could have said, you know, this is from the first run through the alphabet. <laughs> right. I'm going to check my notes here and see if I got... Again, it's Jean-Pierre Journet, yeah, who is a director. And again, he's it's his first English-language film and his first and Hollywood film. And this so that's is four in a row. This is... I mean, I didn't love the alien uh, design in Alien 3, but Alien Resurrection, the alien at the end, the baby alien, is possibly oh my the God. worst designed piece of... Is crap. it like Godzuki? It is exactly it like is Baby Godzilla. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly yeah, like that, it's and got, it's terrible. Yeah. Oh, just horrible. <laughs> yeah. It, it in the in that movie, not spoilers. Um, the alien, the newborn, they call it. I think that's a hybrid between. I don't even know. Is that like Sigourney Weaver's alien child? I can't remember. But um, it actually gets sucked out of a little tiny hole and gets sucked into space. It's got to just slurped uh, out to this little hole. That's crazy. And actually, when they did Alien, th- that was going to be um, uh, Lambert's death, is that she was going to be sucked through a, a hole, a, a small hole in the fuselage of the ship, and she, her, her guts were going to get sucked through it. But guys were like, that would never happen. Like, even if you're, uh, even if the, on the other side is a vacuum, you're not going to get sucked through no, it. No, no. You're going to clog it up. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like Goldfinger. And, so uh, that, yeah, he sucks the hole. But it's written by Joss Whedon, oh. the script for uh, Resurrection. 
Joss Fuck Whedon. Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> said that. Is that how many? Uh, is that a consecutively four episodes? I think. We, I think. Aren't we contractually obliged to have Chad say that in every podcast? Right. I believe yeah. everybody has their catchphrase. I think so. It's interesting because Josh Whedon said, "You know, Fuck some Chad, some <laughs> he wish, um, some uh, reporter like asked him." You know, they must have really fucked with their script. He's like, no, they pretty much shot it fairly close to my script. But just everything they could do wrong, they did wrong. Just yeah. in tone or because he did it as kind of a comedy. Yeah, that, I don't see how that was ever going to work. Yeah. The only interesting thing is but that they um, took it seriously. They 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 cloned Ripley. Yeah, that's right? in that one. Yeah. So you see all those vats where they've try, attempted to clone yeah. her and it's all failed. Yeah, and there's one lying on the table that's still alive, and she's like, "Kill me." Yeah, and and I guess the interest, the only interesting thing about her character in this movie is that she is you don't know whether mm. she has some alien DNA that mm-hmm. what they've cloned. It's part alien yeah, part. Well, you never know whose side she's on. Right. Is she on the alien side? Is she helping the people? They're always, in these alien films, <laughs> they're always trying to find, you know, since the first one had the chestburster scene in it, like very iconic, they're always looking for the kind of the squeamish, you know, make you squirm in your chair scene. And uh, in this one, they clone Ripley. And I don't really know how cloning a person clones this thing that's growing inside her, right? But... She has an alien in her, and at the, at the beginning of the film, they're on this uh, probably a Wayland Utani uh, ship that's like a lab, like it, it actually is their bioweapons lab. So they take it and they they take it out of her. They kind of slice her and they pull the um, alien out from inside her, and it's something they do again in Prometheus. Oh. Uh, I haven't seen Alien Three in a long time, but it ends. You mean with, four? Sorry, four. In uh, Resurrection, it ends with the yeah. ship uh, orbiting Earth, doesn't it? The ship is locked on a course to Earth. That's why they're thinking right. they got to get rid of the aliens. Because I remember that the, that one of the one of the things the studio was thinking over one of the plans is they were setting up uh, alien, the alien finally arriving on Earth. Mm. Because uh, by that point, Dark Horse Comics had been doing these great alien comic book stories, yep. um, absolutely really well done. And one of the things they did uh, is they had the alien show up on Earth, and I guess that was one and of the. And then somebody said, "Well, you know." We've already got Predator. <laughs> and then somebody else said, hey. hey. It's like Freddy versus Jason. Why don't we have what? Alien and Predator there fight? Because they, they kinda, did a comic book, Alien versus yeah, Predator. Which they kind of set good, it up, but, too, in Predator 2. When they go inside the Predator ship, you see an alien skull. That's right, yeah. So they kind of set it up. Well, they're both 20th Century bit. Fox franchises, so yeah. why the heck not? Yeah. You always got to mention, I always have to mention uh, in a movie where Ron Perlman appears, because I love Ron Perlman, and Who he's doesn't? in Resurrection. Yeah. I don't love Ron Perlman. What's wrong with you? Yeah. His head's too big. <laughs> he does have a big head. It's a very big head. I agree with you there. <laughs> he should have been cast as Hellboy. Oh, damn it. You know, they really missed they something really there. They really missed Shit. that. Shit. Too bad. We started watching uh, Sons of An- Anarchy. Yep. Because we hadn't seen it. With your kids? Of course. Okay. <laughs> Actually, my kids were watching, and I just joined it. But no, we, we my wife and I were uh, we started watching it and I think we got ten minutes in. You see the the pregnant woman shooting heroin. It was just an, it was too much. Right. There was a good uh, scene in Resurrection where they have to go through this uh, a lab that's underwater and they're swimming through it and there's an alien that's coming after them and it's a CGI alien I guess and it looks pretty good. It's interesting. It's, Is it clear it's like swimming. in the abyss? It's pretty clear, actually. Did it harken back to the Poseidon adventure in Shelley Winters? 
Watch as you that say. Scene where she swims, on, you know, to make so it all the way sad. through. Right. <laughs> so Was it like sad. that? I know. The other point I wanted to make is uh, for this film. Again, unadjusted for inflation, but it's still kind of interesting. So Sigourney Weaver was paid $11 million, and that was the entire budget for Alien. Wow. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. Spaceballs the t-shirt. Spaceballs the coloring book. Spaceballs the lunchbox. Spaceballs the breakfast cereal. Spaceballs the flamethrower. <laughs> that kids love this one. Chad, you had something to say about the merchandising of Alien? Yeah, you know, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I, I had the full set of Alien cards, trading right. cards. Right. And, you know, there was a ton of merchandise made for the first film. That's crazy. For a movie that was R-rated. Yeah. There was, uh, and, you know, along with the uh, some of the highlights, because I remember, I remember speaking of, like, Geiger, one of the cards... That you know, it was one of those ones that showed up a lot. I don't know why. Maybe they were, you know, sometimes with trading cards they make surpluses of some of them, so you get stuck with shitloads of duplicates. And there was the Geiger one of the, uh, you call them the navigator. He's space the space jockey, space jockey, or the engineers, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So there was one of him. And again, as a kid, you're collecting them, and you're like, oh, trying to piece the story together. By looking at the trading cards, which are always not in sequence right. to, the, to the premise of the, to the story, again with these this weird drawing, one drawing by with Geiger. There's a few sketches that show up in the cards, I think, yeah. in that set. But there yeah. was one of that space jockey guy, and I remember like, you know, all the kids would say, "We're trying to figure out what's really going on here," and you, right. there's no gore, so you you can't. There's no tension that shows up. <laughs> they in the didn't cards. do a card of the chest burster bursting out of King's <laughs> no. chest. Oh, no, bad. they show them, but not. they're always like. That's too bad. Before, just after. Right. Uh, the crew is sitting down for dinner. <laughs> and cut to... And now, he, now that character never shows up again. Yeah, uh, yeah there was... Uh, at the time, there was like a 12-inch uh, alien monster. Like, what do you, what's he called? Xenomorph. Just a xenom- well, because they call him that in We all aliens. called him an alien monster. Yeah. Right? It was, I think he was like the monster in the first one. Even in yeah. the, the packaging of much of the toys, they called him alien monster, monster right? Yeah. Yep. Um, but there was like a 12-inch action figure yeah, of him right. with a little lever Kenner. in the back yeah. that had the, 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 the jaw come, come out. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, there That's was, a nice thing to find under the Christmas tree. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mom. You could Thanks, do. Santa. <laughs> there was, of course, the shitty board games because all those tie-ins. Yeah, they like I mentioned Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah. All those things. Knight Rider. They're all the worst games. I had a Happy Days one when I was a kid. And it's like, you're cruising for bruising, but it meant shit. <laughs> I had a King Kong one where you had to climb up the World Trade Center and then crash right. a plane into it. Um, was you just eight, did that was, yourself. Uh, <laughs> you did that yourself. Sorry. This game sucks. I'm throwing this. In. Yeah. Uh, it was an 18 inch doll, actually. They did a, a great inflated, uh, they call it a bop bag. Remember those punching oh, yeah, bags? Oh, yeah, fall those over big? and come back? Yeah. 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 I've, I've, but what was it? It was, a, was the it alien, alien monster. Right. <laughs> alien keeps coming back. Punch him. Just keeps coming back. I just won't punch you hard enough to make you bleed in your ass. It'll that's if, if, Schwar- if Schwarzenegger had been an alien, then that's what happened. He would have punched it. There was this. Uh, there was a Halloween costume. Of okay. course. Right. So it's weird to, to make all this merch for an R-rated movie that none of the yeah, kids because, can watch. Yeah, right? when you're doing merchandising, you're. I mean, it's you know nowadays. I don't know if it's so much back then, but you know, adults collect all that shit now. But really, the the impetus is all is you're selling it to kids. Yeah, no adults were buying that then. Yeah. It was all for kids. Sure. Yeah. And it's like, but there was no Michael Myers mask for Halloween. There should have been. Well, that's because it's a William Shatner mask. Yeah, but they didn't Same make thing. any merch. They they should have, right? Yeah. 
Um, they have to give Shatner a piece of that, though. That's why they. But the costume was more like it looked more like the um, the space jockey, right? For the with the, with the gas mask, yeah. or whatever. On it was it. weird yeah. looking. Yeah. Um, look, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it didn't look like it. The way I, I would describe it is it looked like a uh, a skull with scuba gear in a giant asshole for a mouth. Wow. And that's what you want your kid to dress up at. It's one of those little, you know, those plastic masks? Yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. The, the cheap sort of plastic. Yeah, the one the, piece slip-on yeah. bodysuit. Yeah. yeah. I prefer the to, to dress my kid up in the naked lunch uh, Halloween costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that where you just, like, drop heroin or drop acid <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. See watch the kids run around? <laughs> this is the type, best Halloween Your typewriter ever. grows a sphincter and starts talking to you. Uh, and then they they really <laughs> embraced technology. So um, they uh, had walkie talkies. No, they did uh, an Aliens Commodore sixty four video game with Activision Electric Dreams. Wow! And it was called it was cutting edge for the time. Yeah. Uh, and it followed through, and this was what I thought was really interesting: all of the action of the film. Yep. As well as the uh, the um, cut scenes. Wow! They used everything, all the, the good scenes, the bad the scenes. So it's like a cut. digital little movie plays. That's what yeah, you're talking well, about? well, it's no, it's a video. It's Commodore sixty four. It can't really be digital video or anything. No, no, no. It's probably those scenes. Where Maybe you, just a yeah. picture. Yeah, and it's like, like it, where do you want to go? To, to the left or to the right? Oh, you, I think you always one of those. Like a text yeah. adventure. Yeah, oh. and you go through the whole. Movie. Wow. Did it have that like video game uh, sound at the background? Like do 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 do. Well, what's funny, Ross, is they did a they did a. An adaptation of Alien for the uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred. It's just a Pac Man clone, where Ripley's running around and there's an alien in the maze. It's just a maze game. Oh and yeah, there's yeah. dots. Was it more like Berserker or Berserk? No, I don't think so. It's like it's just another Pac Man clone. There's oh. whatever that she's picking up, and then the, there's an alien in the maze chasing her. And the, the last thing I'd like to say about the old one is that I guess along with a lot of films at the time, whenever there was a soundtrack, they made a disco version. Of course. Oh, really? And so there was a disco uh, because of the popularity. <laughs> Seventy nine. Yeah, it's perfect time. A, crawl, a group called Miko. Oh Mac- yeah, 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 yeah. They did Star Wars. They did Star Wars in the Cantina. They yeah, did a disco yeah. version, right? And so uh, they did a disco version of the Alien theme by a band called Nostromo. Oh yeah, the same as same name as a ship. And so, time. if you uh, check the website later, we'll have that up there, and you can uh, absolutely invite you know, your friends over and dance to it. Speaking of merch, something tells me uh, um, there was a strange phenomenon in American um, uh, toy marketing where they'll take a character like, let's say Superman, let's say Star Wars. And they'll have dinky toy van cars with the <laughs> Superman or Star Wars. There's a Star Wars van. I think it's a model kit even. Uh, you know, like the, it, there are no vans in Star Wars, no. but, you know, they plaster it on because they want to combine the I think, kids I don't who think want. you're right. I think Uncle Owen had a van parked in behind the. Um, <laughs> That's right. He had a shag right. wagon. Shag, shag yeah. wagon. Yeah. It was a pickup truck. Uh, but there's there's this it's phenomenon. A, it doesn't have any wheels. It just hovers. Yeah, because <laughs> hover cars cars are such a big market in the states. Either dinky toys or model kits are such a huge market for that. They try and cross right. cross over with popular culture. And I think there's an aliens. Oh, I'm sure because I actually have. Um, I still have my Superman van. Yeah. I have my Joker weird white car thingy. Um, I was at a, an antique show and I thought of you guys because. Uh, and I didn't know that they'd made this because I never saw it because I, I would have owned it. But they did a Fall Guy pickup truck. Oh, man. Oh, that'd be 
makes sense. Right? That, yeah. no, that, that's different. That's the actual pickup truck he had. Yeah, right? so there's a definite That, that time. would make sense. But now it's we've we've run amok with this putting uh, licensed merchandise on the side of a car. I've got uh, a Captain America charger, you know? Yeah. Like, like he's going to drive a charger. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Anyway, it's just one bad thing after another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I'll move on to. Uh, I'm going to skip the Alien versus Predator films. We'll uh, cover those in a future episode. But uh, I'm going to move on to Prometheus, which was Ridley Scott's return to the Alien uh, universe. Uh, made in 19. Uh, sorry, made in 2012. <laughs> 19 something. 1916. <laughs> With the moving pictures. It was, it was an uh, exciting time. They did the Great Train Robbery, and then they did Prometheus after that. <laughs> that might explain it. It was a sock puppet coming out of the guy's chest. Look at that! Uh, the thing just popped out of his chest. <laughs> but there's no sounds that cuts to the black card. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> they cut back with the guy going, ah! But no exactly. sound. What face. happened to you? <laughs> it was an egg. <laughs> it was an egg, I tell you. <laughs> with lady parts on the top. <laughs> Gosh willikers. <laughs> it went right through. It was like... So uh, I watched... Uh, I don't... I hadn't seen Prometheus. I saw it in the theater and I hadn't watched it since, but uh, I rewatched it for this podcast and I had a kind of reevaluation of it because I enjoyed it much more the second time I've seen oh. it. Um, it opens great. Like it looks amazing. The the scene at the beginning with the uh, sort of um, featureless humanoid. Yeah. And and we later discover he's on Earth and he, he yeah. stabs himself or kills himself. And, he take, and, drinks the stuff, right? And he dissolves into yeah. a stream and that is what um, spawns human life. Right. Is it suffers from the same look to me of the, all the, any Zack Snyder movie is that desaturated grayness. Yeah. Which drives me bananas. Well, Ridley Scott's uh, visual cue for that was he, he, the way he told it to the guys that were designing the, the, the engineers, they call them is uh, if Rodin's thinker had stood up and was alive, it's like a statue. Well, the look at look at the engineers, I didn't mind. It, it was the it's the it's that color palette or lack of a color palette that, that just makes me. What's the point of seeing a movie if it's just going to be in gray tones and mm. drives me crazy? Mm. But, well, Prometheus was the the Greek character who was tied to a rock, right? And no, that's no, uh, he, no, that isn't that. Oh, it was. Yeah, that's what they did to him because he gave they, fire to. Yeah, to yeah, that's right. right. He gave fire, but then he was, and uh, the the vulture pecks out his liver, and it grows back, yeah. and it keeps going. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so you know he's going to be a little gray. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. I was wondering where you're going with that. That's a bummer. <laughs> you know, it might look good, but there's some real lapses in logic that it's really hard to get by even like i say i you know second watching the film a second time i enjoyed it but uh just some of the things the stupid things the characters do it's just it can take you right out of it mm -hmm. like i can see why people would complain about it because well, we we all the three of us saw that movie yeah. together and mm -hmm. i think that i remember the the feeling of it was beautiful like yeah. and it was the first 3d movie that was immersive. It was shot on 3D cameras. And right? so at one point when they're, before they go into the, was it a pyramid? Yeah. Before yep. they get in, when they're walking across the, the sort of nothingness, yep. there's the occasional stone very much like uh, the ones in France, you know, not Stonehenge in England, but the, the ones that they, they have the sacred stones. They reminded me of these things, these just stones here and there. Right. And they, you were immersed in a 3D world yeah. while watching this. Yeah. But I left the film thinking, 
Well, that was forgettable. Yeah. Except yeah. for the good 3D. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the premise of the film is that Numi Rapace and uh, the other guy who's her, her, who's her boyfriend or husband or whatever, they they discover in a bunch of caves all around the world is this star cluster that uh, they figure they're being told to go to. So Wayland, who's the guy that runs the company that through all these films, they're in the background kind of pulling the strings. They take a ship and they go to the star cluster to find the origins of man. That's what they're looking for. And um, so he so, has an ulterior purpose. Yeah, exactly. Towards the end of the film, it comes up, uh, apparent what's going on. But it's a team of like, they're the archaeologist, and then they got a biologist, and they got a geologist, like a crack team that's going. Do they have a urologist? <laughs> exactly. Make sure well, they pee okay. Plus, plus Shaggy and Scooby Doo, <laughs> they were along for the ride. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they go and they land on this uh, planet. They go to the, they find the, these pyramids and they go inside, and f- somehow, even though they've got probes they let loose and they fly all around this pyramid and fucking totally map everything and the on the prometheus the ship you know they have the map all on a table and they can see where everybody is and it's all perfectly mapped they find uh inside the pyramid they find a body of one of the engineers it's been decapitated like doors come down and chopped his head off and for some reason uh the um geologist who you know he freaks out. He's like, oh, my God, a dead body. I'm getting out of here. And he takes the biologist with him. Are you coming? Sure. Like, it's they're figuring out the origins of man, and there's a body there. Wouldn't you be fascinated? Well, they were like, you These know, guys fuck off. we got to get out of here. Yeah. The origins of man are too too creepy. <laughs> I guess. I'm out of here. That's it. I'm out of here. I, I and thought- they get lost in this place that's been fucking perfectly mapped. And while they're lost, they find this um, this room that's full of these urns that are, you know, they're, they're reminiscent of the eggs in Alien. If you go to nerdstocking.com, I actually give you a, a an evolution of the design evolution of these things. There actually were urns in the original uh, design images for Alien. They were actually stone urns, and they morphed into these eggs that they eventually used in the finished film. So they find these urns, and they're leaking this black stuff and the shit coming out of these uh, coming out of the ooze that these things are are emitting and it's like the a snake comes up and the biologist is like ooh look at this little space snake and it attacks him of course it's like so it, he's okay with the space snake but he's not okay with the head yeah, with body. a body that's been dead for a thousand years yeah and it's just ridiculous there's so many lapses of logic where you think this is fucking stupid well it's like the medical lab later where it isn't programmed yeah. for women but so what is that is that data storage is like a premium it's so I much guess. so that you know women are just too complicated we can't put that in there like yeah. it wouldn't just be stored with it's humans. ridiculous it's ridiculous yeah i mean the nice thing about the movie is he carried through from alien he has a strong female character as yeah the titular lead of the of the film but um the what lead titular titular you just wanted to sneak that word in there didn't you? <laughs> just really because grow up um, but it, it had no, uh, I mean, unlike Alien, which was a horror movie, this movie, I don't, I think it was struggling to find out exactly what it was. It didn't yeah. really have it was a, a drama and it was it, it. Well, by being a drama, it just meant that it was just, like, it was like party of five. It was like a party of five episode, really. I mean, it was just, it was just a bunch of people standing around a table, but nothing really 
interesting other than you know the the corporation's evil plan again um, right. and then and then at one point what is collapsing at the end what's what's falling it's the, it's the ship the ship the derelict yeah. and they run they run in front of it instead of to the <laughs> it's side rolling. and it's avatar did the same thing yeah. again and that scene is also an avatar where a thing a big tree yeah. is falling and everybody's running straight in line with the path of the tree <laughs> oh my instead God. of just 20 feet this way yeah i was at one of my kids said move to the side yeah yeah <laughs> I, when I was in uh, New Zealand way back when, uh, New Zealand has a population of 3 million people over two large islands and 75 million sheep. So there's 25 sheep for every human. So you're bound to find one you like. But <laughs> when you're driving in the countryside. That's why they wear the rubber boots, right? When you're driving around the countryside. <laughs> the back feet. Uh, you know, there's farmers. It's a very agricultural <laughs> society. There's farmers for the sheep. And you're driving, and it's the same thing. The sheep run directly in front of you as you're approaching them. They don't. They don't go off to the side where they would, you know, immediately be safe and you'd pass them. They just keep running in front of you and you're like, come on, come on, really? Come so on. So you comparing highly evolved humans to sheep? In these movies, yes. Yeah. yeah well, what's yeah. funny is in that scene where they're running, Numi Rapace, she trips and she rolls about three times as she's out of the path. <laughs> but Charlize uh, Theron just keeps running in the straight line. Like, like, it oh, shows hey, you how I, little I mean, you have to move literally a few feet. Yeah. And you're out of the path of this. But wouldn't you th- thing. see? Okay, so if you put yourself in that true situation, maybe panic or whatever. You, yeah. you. But I, I'm sure. I'm sure that without even thinking, you would see it's going this way, and yeah. you, your brain would calculate yeah. all this mathematics, and you would immediately just change direction, yeah. and yeah. and get away. Yeah. yeah, you'd think so. Yeah, there's no. You can't really find an excuse for it. Like no. even in panic, it's bad still, filmmaking. It's a basic. We're thing gonna we're gonna do an experiment. Out. We're gonna stack some tomato cans and topple them over towards you, Ross, and okay. see which way you run. But they're tomato cans. We're gonna, we'll have a lot line. of them. Okay. Will they be filled with something gross? No, tomato cans. They're the cans of tomatoes. Like your 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 sealed. So your they weigh they beer? weigh a ton. Right. And they will damage your head. <laughs> they do. Speaking of the <laughs> speaking of the med pod, they do kind of have their version of the squeamish kind of icky scene is uh, Numi Rapace. Uh, she gets infected uh, with an alien herself and she goes to the med pod and uh, she gives herself an abortion with the, mm-hmm. with the med pod. It slices her open, puts a thing in and actually pulls this thing out. And it is, you know, out of all the other alien films, it is the, probably the scene that kind of makes me squirm the most after the chest burster sure, scene. Yeah. It's just, it pulls this thing out of her. Yeah. So it was really easy for the little laser to get and do this well, that I, it. That, I can, it did, that alien that's didn't coil around her throat and didn't do all those things that yeah, the other one did. That's true. It came out like an octopus. You just sat there like, thing. "Hello, I'm just I'm gonna I'm laying in a tight voguing. little ball." Yeah. Well, it's holding her. It was holding the thing. Yeah. Reached and grabbed her and held it. I mean, I don't know. It's still pretty goofy, but um, one of the things I like the most about it is Michael Fassbender's performance as David as the android. He's really good. He's a good actor. I like yeah. that guy. Yeah. I, I was thinking that you'd probably like it because they do a real thing with um, Peter O'Toole and Lawrence of, of Arabia, right? They kind of he's actually watching the film uh, while he's everyone else is in stasis and he's the guy that's just out and taking care of everything, I guess. And he's watching Lawrence of Arabia and he's kind of combing his hair the same way as Peter O'Toole and he's practicing speaking like him. It's kind of neat. Well, we can't all be lion tamers. Exactly. So it's kind of. Didn't you say that you thought he was a lot like Harrison Ford? <laughs> no. 
So He's funny. far cooler than Harrison Ford. Prometheus was a disappointment to me, yeah. even though there were the indications of, um, because when it was when it was made, it was marketed. He was being very coy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Uh, he wouldn't admit that it was a alien related movie. Um, right. He said, "Oh, you know, it's sort of it's sort of in the same universe, but it sits sort of outside." And yeah, you know, it's not really re- until you see the derelict ship, and then right, and then at the very end, you see the alien comes out of bursts out of the one of the engineers. It comes up. I see it right at the very end. I think it's the last shot. I well, think they, she she takes it. She she uh, they want to head towards the home world, right? Yeah. Like at she, the end, yeah, I guess that's the last shot. Is yeah, the, they take off in the ship. They find another ship. David gets his head ripped off by one of the engineers that is in stasis inside the derelict, and then with Numi Rapace and David's head and body separated, they go and find another ship, and the last one is them taken off. I think that the so, casting for uh, the lead. The girl from um, uh, yeah, the, the girl, girl with the dragon, dragon tattoo, tattoo which, yeah. which she was amazing. I think that to find another, you know, white woman with dark, sort of short, you know, shortish curly hair was a bit kind of, you know, too obvious. Yeah, you should have mixed it out. Like, you know, in Hollywood now it's like, oh, it's it's bad to hire a blonde. <laughs> But maybe they should have just made her so completely different from well, Sigourney she Weaver. At least she's shorter. The other female character, she's a blonde. No, but she's in it. But she's not. But that's a very narrow view. We're talking about the lead, right? Like, mix why it couldn't up it? Why couldn't it have been Zoe Zaldana? Why couldn't it have been? Well, it could have been Ali Berry. If don't even start. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I probably enjoyed the most, just in, in the long haul of the film, was uh, I thought they did a good job. You know answering at least i didn't really answer it, but at least asking the questions of uh you know who created uh life on earth and then why they created the uh awful creatures that would plague humanity through this whole series right mm-hmm. like i think it asked some good questions in that regard and it has me interested in what answers ridley scott might provide and i guess he's doing prometheus 2 and prometheus 3 is that confirmed yeah i think so yeah, I think so. But the problem with the Prometheus that he did was it's just too full of stupid people who do stupid things. So they those engineers created the alien monster. Yes, they were, they created oh, it to get so ri- to get to get rid of humanity for some reason. And I don't even remember. That's that. what that's the answer she wants to have asked. That's why she wait a minute, takes off. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why would they create a creature to uh, to eliminate humanity in a far distant world? Well, they're 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 going to take it there. That that's the I guess that's their bio lab. Yeah, that's their experimental lab, and then they're going to take those and take them. Well, this to is Earth. the whole in religion. It's the uh, the Nephilim, right? They're supposed to be like them, where they're come da- they come down, right. they mix with humanity, they interfere, and I guess the alien monster is the the, the plague of all plagues. Well, that's but what true. Exactly that's exactly did right. we, what exactly did we do that deserved? That's the uh, well, but that's that's mythos, right? We, throughout all old mythology, that's what's always always happens, right? We're just we're just inherently bad. So the gods punish us by flooding our world, by just slaughtering us. Uh, giving us just the Bible right. talks about the hornet. He sends the hornet, which is a sh- uh, some sort of flying thing that Shoots laser and fire from the sky and flies around. True, it's in there. That's interesting. That's it. That's it flies it. like a hornet, not a bee. So it's you know, it's right. jaggedy, all kinds of. Can, it shoots it can, it can move around very quickly. Right. Well, that's the yeah. That's lasers. The, that's right. That's what destroys uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. They didn't have the concept of lasers. Did they know about? No, they had the concept of fire from the sky. Right. It's in the Bible. It's. I'm not making this shit up. 
somebody else made that shit up. You're just reading it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Allegedly. But that's the that's the question that she wants answered at the end of Prometheus is why I, w- I would know why these engineers wanted to uh, erase humanity. Why they thought so it was she's going to go to their home planet where she'll most likely be killed. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I guess we'll if, find if out. If their goal is to eliminate humanity and a human shows up, oh, we fucked up. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm here to see Mr. Engineer. I need. I, I need. I have, I have some questions. I have questions. I have some questions. That is true. Here, just stand That's over here point. in front of this large gun. So, what really what, what's point. happening now is that it's a shame that they created the alien monsters because again, it's it, we talked about this with Michael Myers and the Rob Zombie films and and Hannibal Rising where they they get into these characters and they demystify it. Yeah, they they yeah. unmask the monster. Right. And by doing that with the alien monster, it's kind of, even though they still, they're still menacing and all those things, it's kind of like, no, no, the mystery is what makes those scary. Not, oh, now they're just a creature that was created. So now again, back to my point about how, how sentient they really are. You know, are they just a test tube baby that is running amok? Mm-hmm. Are they programmed with basic functions and that's it? Right. You, re- you remove the 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 horror and the 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 you know the unpredictability of the characters by giving them too much background. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like in Jaws. What was it? Five or six? When you find out Bruce the shark, the only reason he was eating people is because you know his parents were killed by by a by a boat, and he had a thing then for humans, and he'd also fallen out of college. Exactly. He, he yeah, failed yeah. his last. Well, course. he tried to get into art school. Yeah, and he, he, he just didn't didn't make the cut. <laughs> So he and thought, then, I'm going to take it out on these people off Maine because, yeah. damn. You know, either the Jews or the people of <laughs> Maine. Somebody. So. That's right. You don't want to learn too much about it. It's just, it's yeah. not When he was anymore. small, the tuna really were fucking cruel to him. <laughs> yeah. They, they wouldn't mocked let him, pl- him. He wouldn't let them play their tuna no. games. <laughs> That's right. So. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to see what Neil Blomkamp's going to do, too, because apparently he's going to do Alien 5, yeah, although there's nothing really set. But I think uh, I he's think done design work. He's he's posted uh, design, but I think design. 20th Century Fox is going to let Ridley Scott run with his thing first. Right. I think they don't want to. Well, it's yeah. hilarious because they get yeah. all these things could happen simultaneously between the avatars and the aliens <laughs> and the Prometheus, and they'll all duke it up. And people are like, "This is like the same fucking movie yeah, really, over yeah. and over again." It's like a very vaporous, you know, cinematic universe. That's gonna make no sense to anybody. And then know? somebody else will make a new Highlander, and it'll be like, it'll be all of them fighting it out. There can only <laughs> yeah. be one: aliens be versus predator versus Highlander. <laughs> That's right. That's versus, a crossover versus Avatar. Versus Avatar. Like, there's a blue guy and yeah. an alien monster guy, and right a guy with awesome. a sword, Sean Connery. Sean Connery playing a Spanishman, Spaniard. <laughs> I'm only speaking the lines. There I want to only speak. Be one. Money penny. Money penny. <laughs> You're bashed. Losers always whine about their bashed. Losers get to fuck the prom queen. <laughs> I don't know. Have you guys got any more th- anything to say? No. About this? No. So I guess it's time to bug out. Oh, clever. Did you enjoy our little alien filled podcast? Well, if you did, you can help <laughs> us along by subscribing to us on iTunes. And also rating this episode. You can also follow us on our home at Potomatic. Uh, which was your favorite alien movie? Resurrection? Well, then you suck. But you can still reach us through our email via nerds at nerdstocking.com or via facebook.com forward slash nerdstocking or at Twitter with at nerdstockingpod. Good night and be wary of any chest pains. <laughs> That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do?